when he shows up, if he shows up, then uh, he'll be here. If not, then we do it out, you Manny. We don't need you. Welcome hey, to Red hey, Salad hey. Review. What? We like Manny. Ah, he's all right. He's a new guy. So we got to pick on him. That I'll, looks I'm like Danny Lokler. Because <laughs> I don't know. You know, if you tell me he sucks, I'll just say he sucks. But, no, man, Manny's. No, Manny, we like Manny. Manny's cool. He, he knows a lot, a, a lot about anything <laughs> he's, he's a music guy. he's another music guy he's a music nerd like us so he knows he knows his shit so man he's a good guy we are proud dweebs on this show we don't care what anyone says yeah oh man this makes me super excited to be here i appreciate uh uh wayne and you guys having me on man this is great no problem well welcome any don. excuse to dork out is uh, is always a fun time <laughs> well welcome don de lamont to the show yes Mr. Mr. Great Southern Brain Fart. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it or leave it. That's me. <laughs> Where did you come up with that name, by the way? You know, it's funny because so I started the blog probably back around 2000. Uh, uh, so I started blogging like around 2007. Mm-hmm. And really at that point, it was just a very informal uh just a hobby kind of type of thing, you know, cause like I'd always wanted to be a writer when I was a kid and I never pursued it. I didn't study it in college or anything, but you know, sometime around 2006, 2007, um, I was working in it at, uh, UNC in Chapel Hill where my wife was in grad school. And, um, uh, I worked in it. And so they just started, uh, launching the blogging platform, WordPress, and so we had to learn how to use WordPress in order to help out our grad students and whatnot. And this is, I'm a, I'm a king of long stories, by the way. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. I read this book. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> that book could have been fucking 20 pages. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, to cut to the chase, what happened was, was when I started doing the blog, I just kind of used it, you know, I was learning how to do it and kind of the fundamental of like, okay, this is kind of a cool outlet for me to write about, you know, music I like and, you know, just like kind of, you know, think pieces or, you know, opinion pieces. And, um, mm. um, uh, and when it came time to kind of come up with a name, um, Again, kind of like the blogging world was so pretty new, but I was like, I, I wanted something that stood out. And um, at the time, a, a buddy of mine, uh, we were talking about the Pantera album, the the Great Southern Trend Kill. Yeah. Okay. And um, and I just, it just kind of seemed to fall into place because I'm constantly brain farting. Like I'm, I, you know, I like I forget shit. I have diarrhea of the mouth i just all over the place and and i i i I forgot who it was too it was it was was a friend at the time and he said something about he said you're you're just the great southern brain fart and i was like (laughs) that's that's fucking brilliant that's that's what i'm gonna use i'm like how many parts are there on in the internet you know so uh you know, so that's kind of where that that came from. It was a spin off of one of the worst metal albums of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Luke, go that far. Don't, don't <laughs> let that shock you. Don't let that shock you, Lou, because he's got a lot of problems with me, too. So that's fine. <laughs> but this is this is part. This is what <laughs> we, we must be united on what we like, not what we dislike. <laughs> this is what I tell people all the time. 
<laughs> but you know what? The, I always tell people this, though. You know, like my whole life as a kid and as a teenager, you know, you know, I, I you know, it's it's no wonder that I had three friends, you know, <laughs> all through high school. <laughs> You know, because I hung out with two other guys that were like the same way as me. And, mm. the, you know, you know, we were always you know, busting our, each other's balls about, you know, somebody liking something that the other one didn't like. But the cool thing was, was that even if it was stuff we didn't like, we wanted to know about it. You know, we wanted to know lineage. We wanted to know history. And we wanted to know, you know, about band members and, you know. It, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's all about like everything. Just being a dork is fun, even if right. it's something you don't like. You know? Right, and yeah. that, you know. But I mean, and and music is the is the best thing to be a dork about. I mean, God, it's just you can go on and on and on. You know, there's so many bands out there, and uh, re- reading through your book and everything, and all the bands that you've discovered too. It's you know, it's just a big, big world of fun. I, <laughs> one of the reasons why I actually even started the blog in the first place was um, like I said, when I first started it, it was just kind of a way for me to just write about music, you know, right. because I, I, I liked it and I wanted to share it with the two or three people that actually would care about it. And then um, around 2009, when we moved back to Atlanta, after my wife got out of grad school, um, you know, I got lucky enough to not have to work a regular job all the time because we don't have kids. And so my wife got a great job. She's a scientist and I became the the domestic God and was basically like, you can do whatever you want to do. And I'm like, well, fuck, what do I want to do? Like, I knew this was coming, but I didn't really plan well for it, you know? And so I just decided to start the blog, you know, pursuing it more and then kind of, you know, um, you know, condensed, you know, condensed it down to more of a focus around hard rock and metal. Right. Yeah. And it just became an outlet for me to just learn about bands. Like I, I didn't also, I, I, I was so out of touch with metal at that point. Like I had no idea that metal was even starting to kind of come back with a whole new, you know, the new wave of traditional heavy metal. Right. You know, yeah. So I noticed when I was reading your book, I'm like, Oh my God, he like, totally ditched metal I'm like you son of a bitch i don't know how old you guys are but i'm 48 so 42 um, we're not okay okay so so you know metal hit this pretty rough point man like you know i don't remember you know that shit, you know shit, <laughs> not to me you know it's bad when bruce dickinson and halford are jumping ship from their bands you know just to yeah. do something different you know and like for me, I think I've always just been very curmudgeonly and kind of, you know, you know, you know, get off my lawn, you new kids. I don't want your <laughs> corn and your limp biscuits and your whatevers. And, you know, and I think that, you know, you had Bruce leaving Maiden, you had Halford leaving Priest, you know, you know, Maiden wasn't putting out good albums anymore, you know, at least for me, I, I, didn't like the blaze era albums i didn't like the ripper era priest you know and this whole new movement of metal came in and it just like i didn't i didn't it didn't i didn't gravitate to it it didn't grasp me Mm. but you know like most people my age and 
you know, I never gave up on metal. I just gave up on what was coming out, you know, so right. I, I had all the metal that I loved, you know, I, I continued to have my Sabbath and my Dio and my Maiden and, you know, my Saxon and, you know, my priest and whatever. Mm. But then it wasn't until 2009 where I started to hear about bands like White Wizard and right. um, Cauldron and uh, bands, uh, who was it? Uh, Holy Grail, who was actually, they were Sorcerer at the time. Mm. Um, these young kids who were like not even born yet when I was listening to metal, who were playing metal that I grew up listening to. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden I got re-energized again. And so the blog became the outlet for me to kind of rediscover metal, mm. you know, it, it, in a new generation. Right. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to, like you say, the, the new wave of British heavy metal, uh, new wave of traditional heavy metal, sorry. Because, um, mm. you know, like you said, it, it did, it revised up, you know, what we loved, you know, about metal and kind of, we don't need to listen to this new metal crap, you know. I, I never got into the new metal either. I mean, I listened to Corn for like five minutes, you know, and then I was done with it. So, but I, I always found, this. yeah. <laughs> but no. I, I always found bands that were kind of similar, like Halloween. I always found bands that were kind of similar to those and similar to Iron Maiden and stuff like that. So I always stayed within, you know, that range or whatever. Yeah, and I, I became a huge power metal fan. I'm, Lou, I'm not done. Sorry, right? I thought you were done. There was a pause this there. Is the pro- this is the problem I have with Lou. He just, All he right, just I'm tries to interrupt me. <laughs> I'm the king of cutoffs, man. So you guys need to talk <laughs> No, go ahead, Lou. No, please go ahead. Continue. I don't even you you interrupt me so much I don't remember what I was saying. I, I'm not interrupting. <laughs> You're talking about Halloween. You discovered other bands like Halloween. You were happy, European power metal, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just trying to get Halloween. So go ahead. <laughs> I can still see the goddamn pumpkin behind you and dots wearing <laughs> Halloween shirt. <laughs> the poor guy is surrounded, man. Like you know, I, he's got the pumpkin. Too. I got the I got a flag up there too. Oh, so. for the love of Christ! Oh, <laughs> this dude's um, kind of this dude's kind of in a shit boat if he doesn't like Halloween or. Maybe. No, I love Halloween. I yeah. have Sasha on no. my shows. He's great. It's just you know when you when you when you review how many albums in a row? Uh, 18? Eighteen. Eighteen. Right? You, like you know, and that's all you listen to. You can't help but go a little batshit crazy. <laughs> but I digress. Um. No, I was just going to say, like, the bands like Shadows Fall helped reinvigorate my love for metal when I was getting tired of the new metal stuff. I mean, I was already a fan of bands like Typo Negative and of, who did I say? Uh, Typo Negative and, and Vision of the Sorter and Fear Factory were three bands in the 90s. And I'll throw Seven Dust in there, too, for good measure. That kept my love for metal alive. But then once Shadows Fall and Filson Gage and Lamb of God came out. It's like, oh, okay, I could really get into this. But, you know, from there, it was a gateway for me to discover some of the newer traditional metal bands that were coming out. I have to say, I love Night Demon a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm really happy that Night Demon is pretty much the impetus for why we have Sirith Ungol back on the scene. And yes, because you know, uh, uh, Killer was doing that festival out yeah. in. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Um, the is it called Fire and Ice? Is that an American of, festival? Yeah, he was putting on like a festival out in uh, Los An- uh, or in California, where uh, uh, where they're from. And I, I know I know that he was pretty responsible for getting like Sirith and Goal 
um, like back into like a, some like in like to the American shows or something. I, Quite possible. I don't know the, the name of the fest. I think the the drummer talked about that on the on your show. It was like Frost and Fire or something like that. Uh, yeah, I just I forgot the name of yeah. what the festival was, but yeah, no, actually, it was on your show, Wayne. I just you know well, re- technically duplicated it online because I'm like, well, <laughs> it was it was the first time I did Rats Eye Review solo, so fuck it, I'm taking it, <laughs> <laughs> taking it back. The boss needed a vacation that day, but yeah, so. <laughs> he's just like, son, you're on your own. <laughs> Oh boy. But um all right, so you sent me this but well first of all how we met was uh TikTok. And, and you know, I told Lou, I said, you know what, I'm gonna try out TikTok because I'm on every other social media and I'm getting sick of people on Twitter. I hate Twitter. I'm still uh, waiting for you to do a busted video, Wayne. Come on, you know busted <laughs> videos are busted huge video. on TikTok. Uh Instagram, <laughs> I'm not crazy about Instagram. And Facebook, I I, I still like Facebook because I don't even know why, but I just have more interaction with people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me try this TikTok thing because everybody's on TikTok. I can make videos. I can even take our YouTube channel stuff and throw it up on TikTok. And then, uh, and I forgot what even how I even found you on there, but I found you on TikTok and I saw some of the the uh, videos that you did and some of the bands that you talk about and everything. And I, you know, I, I listened to some of them and some bands were pretty cool. And then what's that one that you keep showing that you you insist that's like your favorite band right now? Who me? Oh gosh! Yeah, yeah. It depends oh. on what week you're talking about, man. <laughs> I don't know. I you posted so a picture I, of it the other day. You're holding the record. Oh, oh gosh! Who was that? Um, oh gosh! Could it be Nafila? Um, Maybe it's like a folky uh, almost type uh, metal band. Okay, yeah. If it's like that kind of psychedelic looking painting. Kind yes, of, yes. Like yeah, yeah. That's a um, a Swedish band uh, called uh, Nafila. Yeah. Um, who's kind of like a um, they're kind of like a roots rock um, that it'd be almost like rival sons if they had two female singers that were a little more folky rock than you know mm. yeah. but um, yeah I'm always I'm always you know raving about some band that you know I have like a hundred favorite bands man. <laughs> yeah I do too I hate all that <laughs> but yeah, as I've seen all your your TikTok videos and everything, and, and the video the bands that you were saying that you liked, and they were pretty cool. And and you're a pretty cool guy too. So I was like, all right, I'll talk to this guy. And then you said, let me send oh, you a shit. book. <laughs> you said, let me send you a book. And I said, sure. And then you sent me this book, Southeast of Heaven. That uh, book, Hell yes. Journey, which I purchased on Kindle, but uh, you know. I purchased on Kindle, but I, I would like to eventually purchase a uh, a hard copy um, once I find employment again. So, uh, well, <laughs> on my bucket list. I'll I will uh, I'll make sure you get one. Yeah, because uh, I, I feel bad for anyone that bought one. So, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> make sure you send it to my dear pal Louie. Okay, consider consider it the buy one get one seriously, man. Because like anyone who bought one, I'm like I'm like I should have just given you another. Just to like give away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, what made you write the book? Uh, like, um, you know, you just all of a sudden just start, you know, decided to write a book. Well, it started probably. I mean, I mean, the idea of writing a book was never something I had ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the blog was my passion. You know, the Great Southern Brain Fart was my. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and still is. It's it's my 
you know, it, it's my, it's my, my, it's my, like my safe space. It's like where my head is, where my passion for music is. And, you know, like before I started the blog, I remember somebody reviewed a Guns N' Roses show and I messaged the guy and I said, you must be fucking deaf because that show sucked. And he said, if you don't like it, start your own fucking blog. And I remember going, well, fine. You know what I mean? Like, and so, <laughs> right, like maybe I will. <laughs> so, so the the blog for me has always been that. You know, mm. it's been my, you know, my opinions, my thoughts, my feelings. Take it or leave it. And sometimes, you know, yeah. And I'm honest to a fault, but yeah. So, so it was. I never thought in the sense of a book. To me, everything has always been in the sense of like you know small pieces. And um, a good friend of mine who is a writer up in New York, uh, her name is Catherine Terman. Uh, she used to write for Rip Magazine back in the 90s. And she was one of my influences. And she had written a book, uh, an oral history of heavy metal called Louder Than Hell with uh, John Wiederhorn, hmm. which is an incredible book. It's dense, but it's really, really good. And um after interviewing her, you know, we, uh, we, we got to be good friends and um, she kind of became a mentor to me. And I, you know, I would send her links to whenever I'd write a story or whatever. And one day she was just like, you know, you should consider compiling all this stuff into a book. Mm. And I'm like, well, who would want to fucking read all this? And she was like, well, I would, I'd, I'd read it. I mean, these are fun stories, you know? And so so for the better part of two years, I just, you know, kind of went back into the blog a little bit to some of these older stories that had like 32 views and, you know, and said, okay, well, no one's going to miss this if I pull it off the blog and, you know, and then I kind of rewrote them, mm. you know, in the voice, you know, and in the style of writing that I have now. And then over the course of a year, just started, you know, compiling stories and memories of my time of you know of being a metalhead from the first time I heard Twisted Sister to you know when that book came out you know and even since the book has come out like my journey has already gone another you know feels like another two miles or so yeah but Writing it was just kind of a way for me to compile all these things before I get too old to remember the shit. So, like <laughs> at this point, I think it's probably like ninety four percent accurate. If I would have waited two more years, it would have been like eighty four. You know, so I figured right. <laughs> might as well do it while I can still remember the stories for the most part. But, uh, um, but yeah, so that's kind of where it came from. It wasn't like I said, it wasn't a, a long term dream or a goal of mine but uh, uh something i'm glad i did you know yeah i enjoy it. i listen i'm not a book reader so for me to get to read any book you know and, and i read your book I, I enjoyed it a lot and i read it from beginning to end and then i even went back and you know when i knew you were coming on to you know remind myself of some things but uh it was it's a very good book and, and it re, a lot of it reminded me of myself you know how i was in school you know i listened to metal and you know like like you people look kind of down on you because you listen to metal in a way, you know, and it's, it's so stupid, but it, it is what it is. You know, I didn't care being the only kid in middle in middle and high school with an Iron Maiden shirt. I didn't care at all. <laughs> so I related to that. 
That was awesome. I appreciate that, man. I mean, that was really the, you know, the ultimate goal. After, once I realized I was getting to this point where it was actually going to be a feasible thing, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who, another buddy of mine who's an editor, and he was asking me, he said, like, like, what's your ultimate goal for this? Like, to sell books, to promote it? To do? And I was like, honestly, I was like, if anyone can read this book, and like nod their heads and go like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I, I totally admit. like that to me was what I wanted yeah. to get out of it. You Man, know? That's definitely and, what you got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, that, so then I succeeded, you know, I mean, that yes. was like really my only end game, you know, I mean, yeah. I think probably like the biggest differences between like, let's say you and us is that, you know, you were a teenager when that whole satanic panic thing was going on with yeah. the PMRC. Um, I mean, Wayne and I, we were in single digits, so we were really old enough to remember. Like I can remember a time when cassettes did not have the parental advisory sticker. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, boom, there it is right on there. And, you know, we, but but you grew up in the middle of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne, I think I could speak for the both of us. We were completely oblivious to what was going on. Yeah, we were just know. about the music, you know? Yep. So whether it's from our our ultimate gateway band, which is Def Leppard to, you know, Metallica and and things like that. But I I just wanted to say for me personally, your appreciation for the band Zebra really stuck out to me. I had the pleasure of uh, playing three shows in my life with Mr. Randy Jackson, and he was nothing short of a gentleman. I mean, such a great guy. (sighs) And just like, you know, here I am at 32 years old, fanboying in front of him. And I'm just like, it, it's kind of crazy that you're just a regular guy and you're someone whose music I remember listening to when I was a kid. And he's like, Lou, I am a regular guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. know, and I love it about you. <laughs> oh, there used to be a joke going around that anyone who was born after the release of the first Zebra album got one with their birth certificate. Because we were like, I, I grew up in New Orleans. And so like right. pretty much like, I mean, like, I didn't know anyone that didn't have the first Zebra record, you know, because when I was growing, you know, like I said, I grew up in New Orleans, you know, like, you know, you'd go over to some dude's house and, you know, he'd be, you know, have just a ton of records and a Zebra record. So it wasn't weird, you know, to like know who Zebra was. So I was, I was actually pretty ecstatic, you know, when, when people were just like, dude, you like Zebra? And I'm like, well, yeah. Of course I do. Like, why don't? Why is that exciting to somebody? You know? For a while, I think they actually had the record for Atlantic Records' uh, biggest selling debut album. I think seventy thousand copies in its first week. They did. So, yes, you know, that's, that that's that was no true. small feat. Nah, and I mean, you know, and, and it's it's still an album that holds up to you know oh, to yeah. this day. You know, man, they were the Southern Rush, dude. You know. I never listened to a full Zebra album. You need to listen to the debut album, at least. Dude, it's if, classic. If you listen, yeah, that debut album, to me, is like, I mean, it's flawless, front to back. Not a, not a, and it's like perfectly sequenced. Not a bad song on it. I'll give it a shot. A friend of mine here, he, um, he would always go see Zebra when they play around here. So, You guys up in New York? Out. Are you up in New York? Yeah, yeah Long Island. Okay, yeah, because I know that they relocated to Long Island like 
before the first album actually they, they got signed up there I'm, I'm, i think is what it was and mm-hmm. uh, which is so funny because they've been a new york band longer than they were a new orleans band but new orleans still claims them <laughs> <laughs> I think Felix, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Felix and Randy still live up here. I think uh, Guy lives in Texas. I, I think so too. I know because I, I know Randy is up there still too because I had him, I interviewed him um, a few years ago, I think, uh, to talk about the, the debut Zebra album. And we talked about it song by song, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah, just super. That's that's awesome. You got to play with him, though. Yeah, I'm actually. Oh yeah, I mean, that. That, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it was just. <laughs> I mean, I was in a Rush tribute band at the time, and um, I I played bass and keyboards. Don't ask me to sing. Your lawn will die worse than Lemmy's would. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, just like the fact that like he, I was introduced to him through my drummer at the time, John, and I just so gracious. You know, like. It, it was hard explaining to people. I was like, yeah, I just played a gig with Randy Jackson. And they're like, oh, the guy from American Idol? I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. No, not that guy. Not that guy. <laughs> oh, I used to run into that a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, as, I, I'm, I, I'm not surprised they didn't say, oh, you mean the guy from Journey? He wasn't Journey. Right. Yeah. Yep. Actually, there's a funny story. I was still living in New Orleans when that, when, uh, when Raised on Radio came out. And I remember hearing on the radio them talking about Randy Jackson being, and I was like, Randy Jackson's in Journey? <laughs> Holy fuck, how did that happen? And then all of a sudden, were, I was like, I don't get it. What's going, you know, like, why is he playing bass? And then I learned that there was another Randy Jackson. So, and you're like, Randy, did you gain weight? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, and get a box cut. Like, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, man. You got a really but, dark um, tan, too, Randy. That is a super <laughs> tan. <laughs> Have, are you thinking of suing Beach Bum Tan? Nick? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. No, 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 great guy, great guy, man. Both of them, both of them, great, great guys. I haven't met the other Randy Jackson, but um, although I think it's kind of funny that to us he's the other Randy Jackson, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure zebras would be the other Randy Jackson. The other people, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh oh, hostile takeover. Manny's oh. coming in. Manny's Manny from coming. Florida. But the funny thing is, you pronounce New Orleans, New Orleans, and not Nolans. Yeah, you, you, you have not dropped Throw the Nolans on us yet. You hey, know, Manny, funny. what's up? Hey, I'm sorry I'm late. I was on the phone with a client, so how you doing? You're right. Hey, Manny, up, Don DeLamont, Don, Manny. Hey, Don, I was how listening to your podcast while I was talking to the client. I heard the name Kathleen Turner. Uh, she wrote for Rip and also wrote the book, The History of Heavy Metal, with a co-writer. Is that the same Kathleen Turner? Kathleen Turner Catherine from Turner. Who Frame Roger Rabbit? No, not Turner. Kathleen Turner. Kat, what is her name? I've Catherine Turman. Thank yeah. you. I've got the book on my bookshelf somewhere. Yeah, so. she did that book with uh, John Wiederhorn. Yeah, yeah. I'm not for, I, that's the only thing I've ever read with him on it, so. Anyway, yeah, apologize. I, I, I interrupted you guys. So no, man, no, dude, not. I, I forgot where we, we were talking about how you. Yeah, we're talking about how you you pronounce New Orleans, New Orleans. Oh, uh, New Orleans. <laughs> you know, do you know, uh, do you, you guys familiar with, with Exhorter? Uh, yes, yes, the, yes, absolutely. Exhorter. Yeah, um, their lead singer uh, Kyle 
uh, he's, uh, yeah, they're all from New Orleans, obviously. And um, uh, I remember talking to Kyle one time and he said, nobody from New Orleans says New Orleans. Nobody does. We mm-hmm. all say New Orleans. Nolens was created for tourists. <laughs> I mean, th- think about it. None of the other bands that you know we know of Wayne, <laughs> I hate God, Crowbar, anything Phil Anselmo touches. I mean, he never calls it uh, Nolens. So, no. and no. I love all those bands. New Orleans. What I love about the New Orleans metal scene is the fact that Kirk Winstein, right off the bat, said if it wasn't for Carnivore, um, you know Pete Steele from Brooklyn. Uh, you know, uh, Typo Negative, uh, future lead singer, well, founder, guru, whatever you want to call him. You mm-hmm. know, he said, if it wasn't for bands like Carnivore, it's like the metal scene wouldn't be as prevalent as it was in the club scene for in, in New Orleans. So, you know, when he said that, I was just like, love Kirk. Such a good guy. <laughs> the New Orleans scene was interesting back in the uh, back in the 80s because, you know, I wasn't old enough to go to clubs yet. And so in in New Orleans, um, pretty much if you're within like a 30 mile radius, you just call it New Orleans, like depend regardless. So I I grew up in Metairie, which is where most of those bands were from, you know, uh, it's where uh, uh, Kirk was from, it's where Pepper, um, you know, Pepper Keenan was from, uh, Phil lived there. Um, you know, Kyle from Exhorter lives there, Jimmy Bauer, you know, so Metairie was kind of like the closest, you know, suburb to New Orleans. You're talking probably within like a 20 minute drive, you know. Um, but when all those bands were playing clubs, I couldn't get into clubs. But mm. what these bands used to do is, uh, so there's like a Catholic school every two blocks in new orleans because it's like a catholic city you know and um there was a school there called saint christopher's and they had a huge gymnasium that was run by what they used to call the cyo which is the catholic youth organization and what these bands would do is they would rent out the um the gymnasium for like a friday night or saturday night or so and you know, it was usually there was like there was usually no booze because you know it was all ages, a lot of young kids like me or whatever, and they'd put a stage in there, lights and everything, and you go see like five or six bands for like four dollars, you know, three bucks, you know, and so you know I got to see bands like you know Lillian Axe and you know uh, Victorian Blitz, which was uh, Kirk's band from uh, you know Crowbar. Kirk actually when he was in Victorian Blitz, he had a in a mullet and he used to wear these like skin tight spandex pants and he played like if I ever, it was like a hot pink Kramer I think and they used to do like maiden covers you know and so oh, like wow. Phantom of the Opera and shit you know and you know Pepper and then Keenan he learned to play was, slow you know but that was the funny thing and then like you know Pepper Keenan was playing in a band called uh, Graveyard Rodeo and they used to play at the VFW Hall <laughs> if you think about it it's such a weird place for to have metal shows you know it's like you know you know Mm. let's run out the vets bar you know and you know have (laughs) a metal night you know but um but the metal scene at that time was very much like didn't seem very different you know because it kind of mirrored la Mm. or other parts of the world you know like it was hard rock 
it was metal and it didn't really seem to you know change much but then after i had moved from new orleans to atlanta in like 88 and uh kirk formed a band called the slugs with um uh Oh God, what's his, I can't forget his name, Sexy T, uh, the bass player for Crowbar. Um, oh, Todd Strange. Yeah, Todd Strange, yeah. I just know they always called him Sexy T. Um, but um, they, had a, they had a band called The Slugs, and it was, that was the first time I'd heard that kind of, you know, where it took like 15 minutes to play two chords, you know, and um <laughs> But that sound, actually, to be honest, what didn't surprise me that it became synonymous with New Orleans because it's so hot and muggy and, you know, like, as much as I hate to use the word, like, I mean, it almost feels like, like, climately oppressive, like, it's just constantly heavy and you move slow and, you know, and so when I started to hear that music you know, coming out of them. And then once Crowbar became a thing, I just remember thinking like, you know, okay, that sounds like New Orleans. Like if I had to pinpoint like what a sound would sound like, it was that, you know? Hmm. Cool. Very interesting. So um, when I I was reading your book, I noticed you you talk a lot about your father Mm -hmm. and, um, and you talk about how he actually like to listen to the stuff that you were listening to and wanted to know why you were listening to it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Cause my father, he, he hates metal <laughs> and uh, oh, he I never, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, he, he hated too. but my, yeah, my father would not listen to anything. He, he had no interest in my music whatsoever. He wouldn't even talk to me about it. Um, still doesn't the, right Wayne. No, still doesn't. But the, the, fun, the funny thing is uh, he made you return a Wasp album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of all yeah, the things. Unforgivable sin. That first Wasp album is amazing. <laughs> look, look, man, I had At War with Satan yeah, by Venom and was told just to hide it from my mom so she wouldn't cry right. you know, when she saw the cover. You know, like my dad was totally fine with me listening to Maiden and everything and Ozzy and stuff but you know his thing was that he was just a music fan himself you know like and so even if he didn't like metal he just wanted you know we didn't have a great relationship and we couldn't come talk but Mm. like our our communication was through you know music you know and by him sitting down with me in my bedroom or in the living room and listening to an album and kind of it's almost like that was how he was getting involved in my life. You know, when he couldn't actually say to me, like, you know, what's going on? How are you? Da, 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 da. You know, he'd hear my music and know mm-hmm. that that was kind of an outlet of me. Right. And he would hear a lot of these bands and he'd tell me, he'd say like, wow, that guy's a good singer. That guy's a good guitar player. I like the structure of this. The artwork looks great. But man, for some reason, man, when he heard that first Wasp record, and I want to be somebody came on and I was just like, you know, I just remember thinking like, this is isn't this awesome. And my dad was like, this is terrible. He's like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to let you spend my money on this. And I was like, you gotta be kidding, man. It's was. And, and my dad, I just remember he flipped over the record and he was like, look how stupid these guys are. 
And he was like, the gods you worship are steal at the altar of rock and roll you kneel. He goes, who writes this crap? We're taking this back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so embarrassed because he, ta- he like literally takes me to the record store. And, you know, the like the burnout record store dude, you know, behind the counter, like, hey, man, you know, my dad's like, my son bought this record. And I I want to like exchange it. And he was like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's like super like, like, you know, like evil and stuff. Right. My dad's like, no, they just suck. And the guy was like, yeah, man, it does suck, man. And I was like, like, you're not helping me here. And then my dad was just like, and he's like, what is this? that's playing in the background and it was like whatever the guy was spinning in the store and he was like oh man that's led zeppelin four my dad goes that sounds great give him that one instead <laughs> okay that's an upgrade so, so that's how i ended up getting led zeppelin four for the first time but then i went back and bought wasp you know <laughs> a couple weeks later i just didn't tell him <laughs> and uh, i still uh, have it to this day and um you know of course like you know years later you know yeah, in, in my 20s and stuff, I told him, yeah, you know, I said, so, you, know, you know, I went back and bought that Wasp album. And he was like, oh, I'm not stupid. Of course I know you do. <laughs> uh, funny anecdote to add to that. So when I was, when I hit 10, I told my dad I really wanted to learn how to play guitar. So for Christmas 92, when I was 12, he bought me an acoustic. So I started teaching myself with Mel Bay books that my brothers had. And then I started learning to play by ear. Then all of a sudden I'm playing D from uh, Blizzard of Oz. My mm-hmm. father comes in and he goes, Louis, that's beautiful. He had a very thick Greek accent. He's like, Louis, that's so beautiful. And then we all know what comes in 45 seconds later. Suicide yeah, solution. No, and he's like, oh, what the fuck is this shit? And he walks out. He's like, ah. <laughs> he didn't bother praying for me. He just gave up. <laughs> Love you, dad. Miss you. <laughs> <laughs> like like but thanks for a great minute and a half i'm out of here <laughs> is it, at least i got a good 45 seconds show <laughs> <laughs> so funny did you ever anything like that ever happened to you manny no no my uh, parents uh didn't like rock at all it's not because they were against it or religious my mom's colombian my dad's puerto rican they're a little bit older um well my dad's passed away but uh just culturally, they didn't relate to any of the music. So it was more on that level than it was. Um, so it was Larry Harlow or Celia Cruz? Basically, or whatever they were into. <laughs> My mom was really into music, but not, not rock music. Um, but uh, she didn't take it serious. You know, when she saw a picture of Alice Cooper, for example, she just looked at his entertainment. Same thing with Kiss. She didn't see anything sinister and people wearing makeup or logos or whatever, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She didn't take that part seriously. I guess her equivalent was uh, like a horror movie put to music for some of it. She just didn't take it. Neither. And, you know, my dad could care less, you know, uh, at least mm-hmm. I was uh, interested in something is, was her thought. Right. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Alice Cooper, Don, you met Alice Cooper. <laughs> yes, I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. How, how was that? Because I, yeah, I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. We actually just did an Alice Cooper show for uh, Halloween. I know, I know. I tuned in for that. That was great. Yeah, I, I watched it late, but uh, yeah. Oh, and before I forget, your uh, Wayne, your cover of uh, "Reason to Live" mm-hmm. was uh, awesome. Yeah. I loved, okay. I loved listening to that. 
Thank you. Yeah, that I, came out really good. I meant to tell you guys that the other day. I totally just spaced. <laughs> shiny. Um, Lisa but, uh, Mann was the definitely the her her contribution to that. I think made the song just shine. So oh, it was yeah. it was great. It was so much fun. You know, like yeah. I, 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 the, the, I've got a soft spot for some of those '80s Kiss songs, and that's one of them. Without yeah, a doubt. yeah, yeah, you I know? do too. But, um, that's the that's, that's the we woman, did it. <laughs> yeah, that's the woman I told you about. To uh, you might want to check her out, Matt White Crone. Yes, White Crone, the Poisoner. Oh yes, yes, yeah. You yeah. sent me that link. You sent me yeah. that link. Yeah, I've got it. I'm definitely on like a short list to listen to. But um, uh, but no, Alice Cooper was cool. Alice Cooper was cool. That was actually a a a birthday present from uh, Catherine Turman. Uh, she um. She is actually Alice Cooper's. Uh, she did some production work with him on his radio show, uh, Nights with Alice Cooper. And uh, he was playing here in Atlanta, uh, destroying, my, I mean, opening for Motley Crue. And um, he. No, um, you can say destroying. It's all right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He absolutely <laughs> obliterated Motley Crue. But, um, and so she made, she was able to get me uh, after show pass to meet him for my birthday. And, that was probably the aside from meeting Bruce Dickinson in like '94. That was the most like nervous, like almost borderline starstruck I'd ever. You know. Have you ever seen The Godfather? You guys seen The Godfather? Yeah. Um, do you know that scene where Luca Brasi is like practicing what he's gonna say to the Godfather? Don Corleone, I'm very proud that you invited me to your daughter's wedding. May her first child be a masculine one. Never seen it. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. <laughs> so he, and he's repeating that 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 whole thing. And I'm standing in line to go back into the you know the 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 backstage area, and I've got this co- got my copy of a billion dollar babies that my dad had bought me. You know, and I just I'm holding the album, and my wife's with me, and she's just like are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? And I, cause I, I just kept looking at the album. I was going, Alice Cooper, thank you so much for, you know, big fan of you. And I'm like, this is the album my dad bought me and, you know, da, 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 and you've been a big, and so I, you know, I'm, and I'm trying to figure out all of a sudden, like the, the curtain opens up and I walk right in and Alice Cooper there, and I just looked at him and he just goes, breathe. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> And I was like, and I was like, it, like I kind of felt like that in that Wayne's world where they're like, we're not, and he like holds his hand out, you know. But he was just like, breathe, and I'm like, oh my god, I was like, I am so sorry, man. And he goes, it's okay, it's okay. He goes, he goes, you must be Catherine's friend, and I was like, yeah. And then not like a minute later, you know, he's talking to my wife about you know what she does, and you know. Yeah, talking to me about my blog and you know wanting to know about and so impressed that I had billion dollar babies that had all the inserts still in it with nothing destroyed or missing you know and yeah. signed it but like you know like a minute into it like he's you just totally forget you're talking to Alice Cooper mm. and he set the bar so high to me for like just modesty Right. of an artist that I've met artists since then and interviewed artists since then that are like not even close to his status that I'm just like, you know, you could take a, you, you could 
learn a lesson or two from Alice Cooper on how to, <laughs> you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. It, was, it was a magical situation, man. It was one of those probably once in a lifetime moments, but you know, I wouldn't want to relive it again because it probably right. wouldn't be as great as that one time, you know? Right. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Hey. I just read something the other day, something that I had no idea that he did. Um, some some family or whatever was losing their house mm-hmm. and they painted their house um, all this Alice Cooper stuff because they were huge fans of Alice Cooper. So they painted the whole outside of the house, all this Alice Cooper pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. And then um, the neighbors, you know, were trying to get them to get out of there because they didn't like it. Look, you know, crappy in the neighborhood. But uh, Alice Cooper actually went to help them out to pay to, you know, to keep uh, to keep their house. And he had like uh, he was selling T-shirts and signing autographs of people. He ended up giving them like um, thirty thousand dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they ended up only staying in the house a couple more months, and then they ended up losing it anyway. But you know, no musician really goes and does that kind of stuff. You know, there would be no reason for you know people just to randomly do that. And that was that's cool of him to do something like that. You know, he didn't have to. I yeah, most it, musicians I mean, are doing. Please go fund me to help me in my rehab right. payments. He actually helped them. <laughs> that's why he's the man. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a whole other uh, sore sore foot for me. Is the whole GoFundMe thing from musicians, but uh, you know, that, that might be a whole, that might be a whole other topic episode at some point. But yeah, those people that painted that. their house like Alice, Cooper, I, that's yeah. I want the I want them as neighbors. Like that's the kind of neighbors like, people I want living next door to me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the other cool one that you met too, as I read in the book, was Bruce Dickinson. That was a really cool story. Mm. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was a very life-changing uh, experience meeting Bruce Dickinson. Like, mm. uh, um, a friend of mine who had um, was the manager of a. Do you guys remember Camelot Music? Do you remember that they were like the? Yeah. It was like yeah, the yeah, yeah, they were huge. Yeah. Yeah, they were like one of the big mall, you know, record stores or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she was manager of Camelot Music, and my dad worked in the same mall. A jewelry store and so i spent a lot of time in the mall you know you know mm. just going to hang out at record stores until he got off work and um i spent a lot of time in camelot and she knew i was a maiden fan and um uh she called me up one day and asked me if um just a bunch of random maiden trivia questions and i didn't understand where she was going with with it and and I answered them all, whatever. And I'm like, why do you care? And she's like, well, I have this invitation to Bruce Dickinson's album release party for Balls to Picasso. And I have no interest in going. And you're <laughs> you're the biggest Maiden fan I know. So do you want to go? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I, I assumed that it was going to be one of those things where you just went hmm. and they played the album. You know right. what I mean? And like, right. you know, I had just turned 21. And a friend of mine went with me and, um, you know, we got there and it was like a, you know, open bar, you know, <laughs> shit and like a buffet of all kinds of crazy food I'd never seen in my life. And, you know, we were like in heaven and all of a sudden it's like, you know, we realized at the last minute on the invitation, it said that there was going to be a performance by, with, by Bruce. Yeah. And so he did an acoustic performance that night and, um, like probably four or five songs from balls to picasso and then afterwards he was kind of just like schmoozing in the crowd and everybody was in like suits 
mm. and like shirt and ties and like <laughs> me and my buddy are in like maiden shirts with like maiden records in our hands like, like <laughs> totally like and he just he, you know we were standing at the buffet trying to figure out what the food was and really all i could identify were the carrots right and And i just remember thinking like what is this stuff right here and i'm and i asked my buddy i was like what is this shit and all of a sudden in the back of like behind me i hear someone said that's hummus and i turn around it's bruce dickinson telling me (laughs) what hummus is and i'm going is it good that was like my first like is it good like yeah. I want, and he was just like, he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. I recommend I roasted plate. red pepper hummus. Yes, that is great. I have no idea because at this point I'm thinking to myself, great. The first thing I ever say to Bruce Dickinson was to ask him if hummus was any good, you know? So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, did I just blow my first chance, you know? And so we put some on a plate and he was like, you guys don't look like you're supposed to be here. Like, and we were like, I was like, no, I have an invitation. And and he was like, okay, cool. And so he came over to where we were sitting and sat with us for like 10 minutes, talked, was just like super nice, you know, you know, ate, ate some hummus with us. I hated it, but I, you know, I just, I, I love it now, but at the time I'm like, you know, you know, fine dining was chilies, you know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but he was, he was a very, very cool guy and he was very, um, he 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 had this like he has this aura to him that like in a situation like that and I don't know if he's like that with Maiden now because there's so many people mm. but I always got the sense that because he was kind of freshly out of Maiden and he was doing his own thing and he was in this like intimate situation and like I don't know that I could have ever met him or even ever meet him again that way. You right. know, but there was this sense to him that it was like a, um, like he was happy to be this person that mm-hmm. he could actually just go up to a table right. and have a conversation with a couple of fans and not be like mauled, you know, yeah. or yeah. like jumped all over, you know, and uh, yeah. so it was actually a really special experience, you know. Um, Kind of like the Alice Cooper thing, though. Like, I don't know if meeting Bruce would be the same now, mm. you know, being that, you know, there's so much intensity to Maiden success again. But, you know, at that time, you know, it was a very modest period yeah, for him. Yeah, because he didn't have Maiden behind him. So he had to do everything on his own, you know? Yeah. yeah. It had to be a very different world, that's for sure. <clears throat> I'm in a scary world, too, you know? Yeah, I definitely. mean, because. That was his first album, like officially out of Iron Maiden. Right. You know? There's no Rod Smallwood uh, organization behind him at that point. I'm assuming, you know. So Rod yeah. wasn't still managing him at the time. I don't know. No. I don't know. I, I no, don't know. Actually, actually, Rod Rod has always uh, been associated with uh, Iron Maiden as a unit with Steve Harris. So when when Bruce left, you know, you you know, you didn't get Rod. Smallwood, you know, he had his own label and his own management and, you know, like his own thing, you know, and that's a pretty bold move to do. You know, you leave one of the biggest heavy metal bands of, you know, in the world. But even at that point, Maiden's success was not 
you know, you know, I mean, they weren't dying at that point, but, you know, they had gone out on a pretty good bang with fear of the dark, but, right. you know, things were, things were changing so drastically that, you know, I think, you know, people were just ready for change. And yeah. musicians yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Even if Bruce Dickinson had stayed, I think the downward trajectory of sales would have happened anyway, in my opinion. Um, so I agree with you. You know, I met Dokken when they did the dysfunctional album. And um, it was at this place, Aces Records, you know, they had a record signing. It had all four guys there. And the publicist comes to me and 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 uh, my friends, and he goes, uh, you know, I'm here. And you go, do you know the band? He goes, yeah. So he goes, all right, tell me who they are. So I open up the album and go, that's Don Doc and George Lynch. He goes, oh, thanks. So he hands me the dysfunctional CD, just gives it to me. I get up there. Don's cool. Jeff Pelson's cool. Mick Brown's great. They all sign. They're very nice. George Lynch is on the corner and he's all sulking there. And I think that was his kid with him. And he kind of just signs the album. And I go, you know, that solo album, Sacred Groove. Yeah. Well, I'm the one who bought it. The one guy who bought it. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, was now, there was a big bone of contention with Dawkins around that time. I mean, he reluctantly did the um reunion with them and you could tell by shadow life that that was more of like a george lynch um album oh yeah yeah and man they suffered for it (laughs) well it i i wish i still had the interview do you remember the magazine metal edge yeah oh god yeah i grew up with metal edge yeah yeah so there was around that time there was an interview and you know george is very happy and don dockin wasn't happy because I don't want to sound like Tool. I don't even know who they are. Blog, you know, it's just keeps going up and on, you know. And and it's what amazes me looking back is y'all almost had just been released near. They're doing these promotional interviews, and Dawkins already Don Dawkins himself is already trashing his own album. He's not even pretending to like it, you know. <laughs> you know the funny. Thing, do you know what band that he produced in between um, Up from the Ashes and Dysfunction? xyz was xyz it? i was gonna say saint vitus oh did he present he, he produced saint vitus he produced saint vitus and he's like this is really slow <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well it can't all be tooth and nail to the living end you know it's like <laughs> this is where metal's going don well don could have made a pretty decent uh career as a producer he produced uh, great white xyz uh he produced a lot of demos for people and um, he could have had a good career going as a producer, at least for a while. I mean, when melodic rock metal went away, you know, that might've been the end of that, or I guess he could have been hired by frontier records, but well, they didn't exist yet, but yeah, he could have had a good career as a producer. So. I think that's a great point because, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of them, but man, that X, that, that debut XYZ album, I mean, that's got some great songs on it, but sonically, that is like, that's one of the best sounding records of that era. Well, what's ironic, it sounds better than some of the stuff. Now, I like Dawkins' albums better, but Mm -hmm. I think he did a better job on producing that than the guys they hired to produce their own albums in set times. But, you know, those they were always at loggerheads with their, I mean, Tom Werwin quit uh, Tooth and Nail and and they had to bring in Roy Thomas Baker and Roy Thomas, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just, it, it, 
you know, it, it's ridiculous. The stories behind that particular band uh, it really is. So. No razor fisted. I'm sorry, Don. Go oh, ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say. It. Razor fisted an entire metal mythos on Dokken. And um, basically, the contention with Don and George, especially, goes back to the recording of Breaking the Chains, the first pressing of it. Because mm-hmm. it's like him, Juan Crucier, Mick Brown, all flew to Germany, recorded the album. And they're like, well, we're going to go back to L.A., which means we quit. So when the album got picked up by a major label and he needed a band, then he was like, well, you guys have to come on as session players, like not as a contracted full band. So George says one story. Don says another story. The truth is. Well, history shows in favor of the side of Don Dockin himself. Well, not only that, there's a there's a bunch of interviews on YouTube in Bloom, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And they not only uh, interviewed Don Dockin, but they interviewed Tom Werwin, interview uh, Michael Wagner, mm-hmm. some engineer. So it's kind of interesting that most people take up Don Dockin's side where, you know, if you look at those old interviews, it seemed like Dockin. Dockin was maybe a moody guy. But it turns out he was right, you know, and uh-huh. he's one of the few guys that's held on to his money. So that's something to be said about that. You know? And married <laughs> upwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he was definitely he was definitely on the, the smarter. end. Wayne, you're off. Are, are you a Dokken fan or did everybody no. just ghost you? I don't do not like Dokken. Oh, man. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. He's not trying harder. Docking, that's for sure. Uh, you know what though? It's fine, Wayne. I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you, dude. If because you like the melodic rock, hard rock right. kind yeah. of stuff, right? I like I was I I was a Docking fan, but not like mm-hmm. die hard. You know, like I mean, I had like I mean, I was a typical kid in the '80s. You know, I had Breaking the Chains and Under Lock and Key and you know Tooth and Nail and you know, you know, and back for the attack to me, I still consider it to be one of the pinnacle hard rock albums of that era. Like it's, it's, it's a incredible record, but man, the Don Dockin album up from the ashes. Like I know people that couldn't stand Dockin heard that album and loved that record because I mean, sonically, it's literally one of the best sounding records like like i listen to it now and it sounds incredible like it doesn't sound dated or flat Mm. or anything but like his band at the time for that solo record was just you know he had mickey d who at the time was in king diamond Mm. on drums then he had uh peter baltese on bass from accept and then he had uh john norum Yep, on guitar, right. Billy White, I think, right? Billy White, who was in Watchtower with uh, Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys. And then he had Don Dockin. So so it was like a super group of of musicians that a lot of people didn't really, you know, they weren't like commercially big musicians. Right. And that was like for the best players Hmm. that someone could play with. And some, I don't know how they got linked up. I don't know if Dockin himself had the you know had the vision for it 
But man, that one album right there, and they only made that one record. But I, I, Wayne, I would challenge you to listen to that record. Mickey D's on there, so I have to check it out. So, uh, I mean, well, Wayne, is it? Do you think it's the age thing? Because I, I know I'm older than you, so you think it's just an age thing where that kind of metal just didn't appeal to you when you started getting into that music. I like music from that period of time, so no, I just don't like no. the vocals, and and it's a lot of it just sounded cheesy. Like that, what was that that song that they did for one of the horror movies? Uh, oh, uh, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Yeah, I, I don't like that song. I, I think it's terrible. I think it's stupid. <clears throat> See, for me, Tooth and Nail, I will willingly admit it is one of my ten favorite albums ever. So, like, I can remember listening to that and just loving it and thinking, my God, this is what good music is supposed to sound like. Wayne, I'm sure you'll disagree with me. That's okay. You're entitled <laughs> to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but, you know, still and, feel and that way. What was well, the was song just... that we did? What was the song that we did with the, the, the Rats Out Review Theater? Was, which one was that? The Dawkins song. We didn't do it yet. <laughs> no, we did do it. We were we supposed did. to do Breaking the Chains. We never we did, did oh, do that's it. Our, oh, we did do it during the uh, yeah. five video episode so, with that typo negative bot thing at the end. Yeah. 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 But that... That the problem with that episode was that because like James and Greg and you and I were talking over the video, I heard enough. I, I heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just bring up the age. we botched it. <laughs> I'm just bringing up the age thing because I was sort of getting into metal when I was about 12, and I sorry I didn't get to hear the intro totally, Don, when you got introduced. So I take it your book is about your history with the music and your discovery or. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I was, I was telling the guy. So I, I'm 48, you know. Yeah. And so when I started listening to metal, which was like, you know, my first introduction to metal was Twisted Sister. You know. Okay, so that was your gateway band. On okay. Friday night videos, you know. Yeah. And from then on, it was, it was game over. You know, like you know, Twisted Sister, Rat, Quiet Riot, you know, Kiss, you know. Was it to you like a rebellious thing to like the music? I mean, I know obviously you like the music because you're still listening to it. So it's not a, it wasn't a fad or any of that nonsense. But was it to you a form of rebellion or was it just a music just moved you or all of the above or none of the above or in your opinion? You know, honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, it was kind of a, <laughs> and I'm not Christian or anything like that, but it was almost right, kind of like right. a spiritual awakening at a young at a very young age when you don't really quite understand what a spiritual yeah is. right i just remember like the very popular music at the time and you know you were talking like 83 84 right you know, all night long by lionel richie yes thank you <laughs> you know you're talking like lionel richie duran duran you know prince uh you know, you know, God, and even if you wanted to go into AOR stuff, you know, you're talking like REO Speedwagon, right? You know, right. and so, you know, I grew up in a very musical household because my dad, you know, listened to a lot of music, mostly folk music, right? But when I was hearing these songs that so many kids were like, you know, like raving about and it seems to be the popular thing i just remember thinking like you know if i liked this then maybe i could be accepted but i don't like this and i don't want to really listen to it and then you know you know i hear twisted sister for the first time you know i'm hearing like you know we're not going to take it and all of a sudden i'm going like what 
like, this is me, you know, like this was like, it was almost like it was all the feelings I had as, as a kid expressed through someone else's music. And so, you know, it really wasn't so much a rebellious thing as, as much as it was like a, like a connection, you know, like an awakening, you know? Yeah, like, yeah I get it. You know, like I could hear these other songs on the radio, you know, Brian Adams, whatever. And I'd say, yeah, yeah it's a good song. But it, it didn't right. really do anything for me, you know? You know, we're not going to take it. Well, let's face it. You know, uh -huh. sent me to the record store buying Stay Hungry on cassette. And I listened to it all day. I listened to it in the morning before I went to school. I listened to it when I got home after school. I listened to it at night to go to, you know what I mean? Because it just, yeah, it had that effect on me. And then all of a sudden you start hearing, oh my God, Twisted Sister. Well, what else is out there? Okay. You know, my friend's older brother, you know, was introduced because I didn't have an older brother and he's telling me like, oh, you should check out this guy named Dio. You know, you should check out Iron Maiden. You should check out Scorpio. You know, and all of a yeah. sudden he's kind of sending me home with all these, like a stack of like Maxell dubbed cassettes, you know, just full of these bands. I'm just listening to one after the other going like, yeah, this is the missing piece of my life. Yeah, this is what, yeah, this is, this is what I needed, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's music to empowers you. Nobody listens to this music to sit around and feel sad despite what some people may think even when the subject matter is dark in a strange way it's sort of uplifting so i i get it i get unless it. you're a morrissey uh, fan then we can't help you <laughs> yeah you don't have to worry yeah about well that. I, I do like i i do i i have to hold my hand up i do like the smiths but as do yeah, i but they, let's they face facts <laughs> they're they're I mean, a bit yeah, whiny I mean, yeah they're they're uh I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. I, you know, Wayne knows, I, you know, I, I have a very broad palette, you know, of, you know, music and bands that I like. But, you know, I mean, like, I guess to answer your question, kind of like in a nutshell would be, you know. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't fight this feeling anymore. By Aria Speedwagon didn't make me feel anything. But man, last in line, I was like. Fuck yeah, I am the last in line. I get this, <laughs> you know. And then yeah, you get pumped, you know. God, look at me. I'm 48 years old. I'm talking like I just discovered Dio again, you know. <laughs> That's the thing, like Ario well, Speedwagon. I, I never, I never understood that. Did people actually like that band? I didn't like the song. Oh, they were never, huge. Don't tell that to Ralph. Yeah. I know, but oh, they were fucking yeah, huge. They were huge. Yeah, I, yeah. I like that stuff. Wayne, they they were filling up. Uh, arenas wayne and, and really they got wiped out by the quiet riots and mm. and twisted sister and rat deal and all that stuff mm. took it over but yeah but mm. it, it was huge it was huge i, I mean, mean i think the only yeah. aro band of that era that can fill up places of what journey and i'm not sure foreigner can but i know journey can and journey can that's it right and I don't know. Foreigner can. Yeah. I know Journey's actually going on a tour in the spring with uh, half the tour dates is with Billy Idol. The other half is with Toto. Meanwhile, didn't Steve Lukather <laughs> just said he was bringing the band up? I'm uh, sorry. Point of contention. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another I band actually did Toto. Toto was one of those bands Ugh. for me that was like Journey. That mm -hmm. like... You know, when I was younger, to me, like, Journey was, like, you know, 
school dance music. Right. Mm. And I didn't go to school dances for many obvious reasons, like <laughs> besides you know, being fat and full of pimples and bad hair. But, you know, so to me, Journey was like, you know, you know, you know, date music, you right. know, but then all of a sudden you get older, you know, and, you know, yeah. many, many years later, a friend of mine's like, dude, dude, you got to listen to Frontiers, dude, you got to listen to Next, you got to listen to, you know, like the debut Journey album, and I'm going, uh, you know, and, yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm listening to it, I'm like, this is great shit, why isn't this the shit they're known for, and then you realize, oh yeah, because this wouldn't, like, go over well, you know, right. on the radio, you yeah. know. Yeah, I just got into well, Journey yeah. maybe, God, maybe only 10 years ago or so. That's what I, yeah, meet, same here. Yeah. yeah. And then to find out they started like this well, big think, progressive think, band, you know, it's weird. What do you say, Manny? Yeah. Well, they're a spinoff of Santana. So, yeah, it's not that surprising. Oh, really? So, oh, I uh, that. three I or no four idea. of the guys came from Santana. Yeah, they're um, Noel, uh, Neil Sean, uh, Greg Rowley, and God, who was the other guy? Who was the other guy who was in Santana? Do you remember? Oh, uh, anyway, um, this spun off as Yeah, thank you, thank you. Because they're on Santana Three and Nebraskas or whatever you say that album, and then they broke off and formed Journey, and well, we know the rest. So yeah, um, yeah, Greg, Greg, yeah, older, like... it's funny you mentioned that you have a yeah, yeah, you're right, him too. Um, you mentioned you have a wide musical palette, but I think most hard rock metal fans do more so than people are giving credit. We just have such a passion for this music. It kind of overshadows most everything else we love, but you talk most fans, you, you wouldn't be surprised. You'd be surprised it's in their collection. Probably not really, but most people outside of that would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Especially now, you know, like yeah, as we were yeah. saying, as we get older too, we get into different things. I, I I didn't like Genesis that much when I was younger, but I love them now. And like Journey, and um, even the Beatles. Like I hated the Beatles when I was younger, and yeah. within the last few years, I I don't know, maybe it's just the memories from the Beatles when I was younger, because I, I over listened to it when I was younger, so I got sick of it. So I don't oh, know yeah. if it's just well, memories. And I want to hear it, it yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did. But now I listen to it, and then I'm into George Harrison and uh, John Lennon, and then the Paul McCartney stuff, and you know, just funny, you know. The best thing I well, like you're to also do, a musician, uh, Wayne. So it, and that's the that, other thing too. That, that I, also part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The best thing I, I like learned to do was shut the radio totally, off. Yeah, I feel like being a exactly. musician totally ch it changes a lot of how you listen to other music a lot of times you know and you know i think so too because I, I listen at work i put my rate my my i my phone on and i i hit it shuffle hit shuffle on it all the time i don't really usually play albums mm -hmm. um and yeah. some weird thing weird things will come on like mr bungle comes on and they're like what what the fuck is this shit you know what are you listening to how can you listen to this it's just noise <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. What are you telling me it's crap for? This is fucking great. So, <laughs> Don't listen to Phantomos then. <laughs> no, yeah, that's even worse. But I like that stuff, you know, but they don't they don't get it. And some mm -hmm. other stuff, too, that, that, that regular people just don't understand. But I'm like, you know what? I play music, so that's why I hear things differently. You know, I guess I don't know. It's just weird. You goddamn normies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it well, but I think, I think Manny said something earlier that really stuck out and that I, I, I say a lot of times is that I generally have found that 
fans of metal music are the ones that tend to have a broader palette in music, but not only a broader palette, but are totally okay with admitting that they have a broad palette in music, you know, like, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is like, especially if I'm, if I'm interviewing, you know, a band or an artist or whatever, is I, I like to ask them some, especially if it's a hard rock or metal band, but like, what's your favorite hard non-metal mm. or, you know, what's your favorite kind of music, you know? Mm. And man, I have heard everything from someone say that like one of their favorite albums was Love Deluxe by Chardet. You know, I had somebody that's, tell well, me that's excellent. That I had Very someone well. tell me that uh, that no, nothing nothing like the sun by Sting was in their top three albums, which is one of my favorite albums. I had Tom Hunting actually delay talking to Tom, the drummer from Exodus. I had Tom Hunting actually hold his finger up before an interview because he wanted to finish hearing Open Arms by Journey. <laughs> And when it ended, he looked up at me and he goes, I fucking love Journey. <laughs> and I was like, but you know, and he's a drummer from one of the most legendary thrash bands, like 30 minutes before he's supposed to go on stage listening to Journey on the tour. You know, so like, I don't know. I've always found that that metal heads and metal fans are more fun to talk to about music because, you know, we either agree to disagree or whatever, but even then, like it's like there there's a mutual respect yeah. of what what we all like and you know i could definitely well, I also to think that. it's interesting yeah i also think it's interesting this is a genre where the fans are interested not in the history and not only the band but the genre itself and even when they go back to something like Led Zeppelin, they don't stop at Led Zeppelin. They go further. Muddy Waters, you know, Robert Johnson. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting group of fans that we have been accused in the 80s and even the 90s not caring about music, how much we actually care about it and how much we, you know, we don't just collect it just to have it to look at the vinyl or the CD. We actually listen to it, but we are also interested in the history of the artists. And mm-hmm. I find that interesting that, you know, we, we respect these legacies, you know, and we argue about these legacies, you know, Van Halen or Black Sabbath or even Exodus, you know, what version do you like? You know, oh, they lost it at this point. I think all that stuff's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. especially at, you know, where I'm at age wise. I could uh, add, I could add to that, Manny. I mean, I'm a huge Eddie Van Halen fan. So like when Wayne brought up the idea of us covering Atomic Punk, I was all over that. Um, it yeah. was because of Van Halen where somebody asked him, who's your favorite guitar player? <clears throat> and he said, Alan Holdsworth. Yeah. And I had never heard Alan Holdsworth oh, yeah. until I, after he passed away. And now I can't yeah. stop listening to Alan Holdsworth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's like, I, I mean, I grew up loving jazz music, like weather report or, um, right. Return to Forever or anything by Stanley Clark, but hearing Alan Holdsworth do some of the craziest stuff that I ever heard with some of the best drummers in the world. I mean, Chad Wackerman, Gary Husband, Virgil, mm-hmm. Virgil Lenati, you know, just, you know, I have to thank Eddie for that because if it wasn't for him, I would have never been exposed to hearing about him in the first place. 
And you're the one that picked Atomic. Well, Conquer. I discovered. I picked Atomic Conquer. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I really barely even knew that song. Could have fooled me. You killed it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was. It was Nobody rules these streets at night but him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's as that's as that's as DLR as I'll get. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one to cover. Uh, what were we saying, Manny? Before I cut you off, there. Oh no, nothing. I was just saying. And I, I think it's interesting we're into the, the history, but, you know, um, like I just, you know, I think you just saw Ingve Lou and I looked into classical music because of Ingve Malstein and Randy Rhodes. Um, you know, I got into the blues because of Led Zeppelin. Uh, granted, maybe they're not purely a metal band, but certainly a proto metal band. And that's what they were labeled magazines when I was a kid. Um, anyway, it's interesting how this music just, lead you to different paths not just with the obvious path uh, all, right. all the time so i always found that interesting yeah, yeah that's it's what interested me too yeah. what does it do for you i mean wayne like what what is, what is some of your like those those bands for you like the like, non non-metal bands or, or not even like not but like what bands have you discovered because of other bands? oh my god I, you know. I well halloween again they they have they have helped me discover so many bands. It's insane. Like half of this collection back here is has something to do with Halloween. And I went, you know, just looked up anything that was like if there was like a uh, maybe a, a member that joined for like a tour or something, I would look up and see what band he was in, and then that would lead me to another band and another band and another band. So oh, wow. things like that. And um, yeah, I. It's yeah. Halloween just has this long history of just even Lou. Yeah, the, on, on last week's episode, you said that uh, somebody from Halloween was in another band, or they had a, like some kind of connection with Halloween. I forget what it was. It was something Michael Kiske, I think. Was it? Oh, it was, uh, was like it Pink Six Cream? Degrees of Kevin Bacon with uh, Halloween and uh, Def Leppard is what it was. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was a uh, it was Michael Kiske's solo album had Adrian Smith, formerly of Iron Maiden. At the time, so we're talking 96 and Adrian Smith had admitted in an interview a couple of years ago that at one point prior to Vivian Campbell, either him or John Sykes of Whitesnake and Blue Murder and Thin Lizzy fame, one of them was actually asked to be the replacement guitarist for Steve Clark and Duff Leppard. Right. So that's where the connection. Was. Oh, wow. so it's three. It's three degrees of separation. That was uh, some kind I of did not, I did not know that about John Sykes. I would think uh, you would avoid him, no matter how talented he is, because he just doesn't seem to stick around well, a project very long. No. Now you'd avoid him at the time. I mean, you know, he was a hot commodity. Um, well, yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you that. But um, that's yeah, a difficult a cat to though. work with, man. I don't know personally, but you know, I mean. You know that 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 dude is, but he he's a, he's a talent for sure. But oh yeah, no doubt. Wayne, I was thinking about. Uh, I'm guessing you you like you love the Avantasia. Yes, stuff. yep, I do. Yep, you and know. then I found a lot of bands from there. I found um, uh, the band Magnum because yeah, Bob there's Catley's. Like, there's like know, thirty Magnum. bands in Avantasia. Wow. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, because I I never heard of the, you. Have you heard of the band Magnum before? No, no, no. Oh, you check definitely check them out. But they've been around since like the 70s, and I never heard about them. Well, I heard of them because I used to get Kerrang! magazine in the 80s, so yeah, Yeah. 
But yeah, yeah but I, yeah, I, you're, you're right. right. They've been around a long time, very long time, and and not too many people knew about them. But then Ed Guy did a cover of one of their songs, and then Bob Catley's on the Avantage stuff. And I'm like, I gotta check out this Magnum because if they're working with the guy and they're covering the songs, they gotta have some good stuff, and they do. They're they're an awesome, awesome band. I heard of Magnum because UFO's Misdemeanor album had Jim Simpson on drums, and he was a drummer in Magnum uh, prior to. Yeah, he that was release. for a short time. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, but Magnum over here, I don't even think they released an album in the states. I mean, I can't say for sure, but. They have, just yeah, no one knows about them. Right, yeah, nobody knows. Nobody cares. They're definitely a <laughs> European-centric uh, band, absolutely. Yeah. I'm super uh, yeah. impressed because you it's guys like... have officially lost me, and I love that. Like, <laughs> I love it when, when, when I'm like, okay, I have no idea what they're talking about now because the minute we get off this, I'm going to be like, Okay, now I need to know about Magnum. All right, back to John Sykes. Anyway. No, No, but see, this is why I love doing stuff like this and talking with folks like you guys because, you know, it's, it's, again, it it kind of goes back to what Manny was talking about, uh, like, you know, our appreciation for history, you know, and wanting to know, you know, the lineage of music, you know, and it's not all about, just the individual you, you, you know it, it, it's like this gigantic family tree you know i mean that would just be endless like you couldn't i mean you'd have you, you there's not enough branches to even create a family tree i think for you know hard rock and metal bands. oh no because every day i feel like I, i'm hearing of a band that i never knew existed and then someone's like wow but they've been around for like 30 years <laughs> I know. Always never heard of them. You know, I I tried building a hard rock family tree, and it all stems from Black Sabbath and like the millions of offshoots of bands that certain members were involved with. Yeah, I was I was typing that on my computer, and like an idiot, I forgot to hit save. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, then because I gave up on it. Purple goes into the deep purple family tree which then right. goes into the rainbow family tree and then oh mm-hmm. man you know it's never and then ending. it just starts oh. you know brand yeah. i mean just it's it's amazing you know like i i had actually earlier earlier this year i decided i wanted to maybe do like a follow-up book but instead of the book being about me, I wanted it. I, I wanted to do like a lineage of occult rock. You know, it's like one of these genres of music that is very rarely touched on when it comes to, you know, talking about, you know, hard rock and metal, you know, but like, you know, you go back to the 60s and you had bands like Coven, Coven. you know, and you had bands like oh. Black Widow, you know, and you know, I mean, you know, both Coven, you know, Coven used to have a, have a, have a guy crucified on a cross <laughs> back on, uh, on their stage. And this was back in like 67, 68, mm-hmm. you know, and then the band Black Widow and I think 70 used to have a full on um, uh, like a satanic, um, you know, where they would they would beckon all the demons you know, like, you know, at the intro of this, of their song. And then at the end of the show, they had a full on sacrifice of a nude woman, 
Um, <laughs> and actually, the rumor. There you go, guys. Yeah, he's got it. That is, I've, I've got the witchcraft yeah, album. Too. <clears throat> yeah. Incredible, incredible music, but like, it, it's a genre of music that's lost. Yeah. You know, and so. again, kind of going back to the, like the fascination of, you know, history. You know, my obsessive disorder kicks in, man. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, okay, I want to know, you know, where those bands got it. Because we're also talking about bands who were either peers or slightly predated Sabbath, you know? And so when you get a band like Coven, you're like, okay, so where did you get the idea Mm. to to crucify a guy on stage and like and read from a satanic you know like incantations right. you know i mean like it was insane but like right. again because the history is so skewed though on that genre of music i started reaching out to try to contact a lot of these people and they're dead but like if you think about it, you know they're all in there like at this point like they're into their 70s right yeah you know it'd have to be yeah yeah and 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 i'd say the only one that i could even get a contact for was i think the guitar player from the band black widow and jinx dawson from coven and neither one expressed any interest in really Hmm. wanting to talk and um really i i'm surprised that jinx wouldn't oh yeah jinx because yeah, doesn't she have a version of Coven running around now? Or she does. Uh, she's ago? like the only member left, and it's all like you know, new guys. Yeah, they just did a show over Halloween. I don't remember. I don't remember where it was, but um, yeah. But I'm not going to give up on it totally because I feel like you know, if you can get one person, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, if you can get one person that can kind of start that tree, mm. and they can tell you, oh, these were some of the peers. You know, this is where we got inspired from because there's this weird gap of like, you know, Coven and Black Widow. And then, you know, and then you get the kind of sprinkling of that kind of occult stuff through the folk scene, Hmm. you know, like with Donovan and, you know, Buffy St. Marie, which they weren't full on occult, but they were talking, you know, working with this kind of esoteric well you, well, you got to keep in mind you got to keep in mind during that this late 60s you know people are getting interested in the occult and they were getting interested in what later became new age and right yeah i don't think it was a form of rebelling i think people were just searching for something that was outside of the traditional christianity um not that i'm putting down christianity or anything like that but people were just interested in so, you know, the thing about music, in my opinion, is I if music reflects um, what's going on out there, not the other way around. Sure, it's exaggerated sometimes, whether it's heavy metal or hip hop, but it's not created out of a vacuum, including bands like Coven. This is stuff that was happening in the culture at the time. And I'm talking about lyrical content and what have you. So, um, well, I know, you know. I found it interesting, though, that your gateway. Yeah. No, ahead, sorry, Manny, Dawson, you were saying, Luke? No, I, I didn't. I thought no, no, you we'll complete... get back to that. Okay, well, I know Jane Dawson herself was. No, I did um... complete that. Thought I was going. Is there, is there a delay here or something? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. 
<laughs> she she wasn't she grew up i think in in pagan circles so the music of coven really reflected her you know like it was legitimately her that it was reflecting the ironic thing is that the witchcraft album came out in 69 a year before black sabbath's album they had a song called black sabbath black on sabbath. the album and they had a band member called oz osborne in the mm-hmm. band Iomi Tony Iomi himself was asked in 86 while promoting Seven Star by Martha Quinn. She took out the Coven Witchcraft record, showed it to him, and he's like, I never heard of them. Mm. And I was like, Are you hiding something, Tony? I mean, you are the godfather of metal riffs, but are you hiding something? You know, I maybe not. He's not the one who wrote the lyrics, so yeah. I don't know how true it is, but I I heard an old, like, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm sure it's an urban legend of sorts, but uh, the Black Widow, um, who had an album, uh, they were putting their album at the same time Sabbath was putting out the debut album, and that Black Widow's live performance was way over the top and, like, too shock rockish. And they basically were like, okay, we need, you know, one, one like there's going to be a band that's going to have to go over and break over in the States. And it was going to be between um, a Black Widow and Black Sabbath. And it was Black Sabbath. And which I always, I, I mean, I could kind of see too, because if you go on YouTube, look up uh, Black Widow um, Sacrifice live. It was actually recorded for like a BBC show and it's the entire album performed in its, you know, you know, performed with the theatric and everything. And even for then, like, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, I live in the South, dude. Like if that would have came down here, man, they would have burned that tour bus and like, you know, or whatever. Like, I mean, you couldn't have got the Bible people away from that venue, you know? Yeah. um yeah it, it's it's just interesting it's like an interesting piece of you know history the whole occult rock movement and uh, i think i told you wayne that like there's like a whole movement of these artists you know like even coming out over the past you know decade you know bands like you know uh, got, uh, finland and sweden you know you like jess and the ancient ones and uh, uh lucifer you know, uh, Lucifer, Lycanthropy, um, Children of the Sun, yeah. um, gosh, the, um, uh, Nephila, you know, a lot of this kind of psych rock slash occult esoteric music. And so it's this whole new younger generation of people. And of course, I'm going like, okay, so where, where are you guys coming from? Mm-hmm. And then the influences that they're telling me about I'm like, okay, so now I'm working backwards, but there's right. still this like, it's like I've got here. Right, right. And there's this whole area in here that I'm like, that's what I want filled in. Mm. But somewhere along the line, it's like, it could have just stopped and then started. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it it's had kind to of just how like it is. somewhere. You know? Right. Because right. that, that's how um, Ghost started out too. They were kind of like that, that type of band. Are you a fan of Ghost? No. No, but honestly, honestly, what I did love, what I do love, did love about ghosts, and I will give them credit for it, 
is that Ghost kind of brought back something that a lot that a lot of the newer uh, genre of bands that play this kind of music are doing, or, or, right. or and they 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 took it to like a th- very theatrical right. level. And so, to, in my mind, had a band like Coven or Black Widow or you know something like that had started, you know in the last decade that I could imagine that, uh, that that would be what these bands would have performed like, mm. you know, because, right. you know, the crude nature of their performances in the sixties and seventies was only because that's what they had, mm-hmm. you know, they were using shit they had in their garages, you know, right. and like woodsheds and everything. <laughs> but, you know, you look at ghosts and all of a sudden you've got like what it, it's, it's like a mock. Oh yeah. It's, christian church right. that's yep. full of satanic imagery and satanic stained glass and i'm going okay that's cool <laughs> i mean i mean because i liked the fact that they were able to kind of translate that you know right. yeah i didn't get it i don't to, like the music but i like yeah. I, I like the genre and i like what that they've used that ability yeah. to turn it into a, you know a spectacle right I, uh, I also think musically they're kind of a throwback in a lot of ways, you know, in my opinion. Uh, it's kind of interesting, too. You mentioned looking backwards. I think a lot of bands are looking backwards. Greta Van's Fleet's a perfect example of that, if not the most obvious. Rival Sons, Ghost. Um, there's a few heavier bands I can't think of right now. Um, Blackstone Cherries looking back on Southern Rock. So I think it's interesting that a lot of these bands are kind of looking backwards that are so much younger. I mean, these guys are in their, I guess Rival Sons and Ghosts are probably a little older, but, you know, in their teens or 20s and they're looking back at this music that some of it didn't even sell that well. Coven's a perfect example. I mean, you know, if Coven sold 100,000 albums in their entire discography put together, I'd be shocked, you know, so it's interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the questions I've asked a lot of some of these younger artists is the same thing, you know, is, you know, I would say like, what, what, like, how how does a 20 something year old, you know, play music that sounds like, you know, you know, esoteric Jethro Tull, dark folk rock kind of stuff. And a lot of times their answer is, Oh, well, you know, when I grew up, you know, because these kids are young, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, when I was growing up, like Metallica's Reload was out and all of a sudden, you know, that's what they were into. But then I'm closer to their parents' age, you know, and so what happens is they go into their parents' record collection and they're finding like the kind of shit we were just talking about. And I'm sure that those kids are at some, you know, and they were just like at some point were just like this is so much better music than what everyone's playing. So now you got these 20 something, you know, early, mid, late twenties kids playing this music that, you know, predates them by 30 years. Yeah. And sounds like music. Not like, you know, the new stuff today. It's just everything sounds the same, you know? Yeah, but when we start saying stuff like that, then we sound like I know, old but guys. you know what? I am old, so just deal with it. <laughs> it's well, true. I'm old too, but it's true. It's true. Though. Don't want to sound you tell like me, an old you guy. tell me, what is the difference between the five finger death punch and fucking like Nickelback? They sound the same, except one has a, a, a 
growling vocals or whatever, or screaming, yelling, and the other guy just sounds, you know. They're both whatever. shitty. That's but they both suck, you know? <laughs> but, but they would be shitty if it was 1985 and they came out. They're, they're just a shitty bands, yeah. you know? But, you know uh, I, 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 Five Finger Death, I don't understand their popularity. I don't either. You know, I can understand Nickelbacks because it's, you know, catchy, but so is VD, and I don't want that either. But, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, Five Finger Death Punch, I think they just real, uh, you know, like a lot of the young military people just relate right. to them. Yeah. So I, I can respect that. I mean, I'm just not really know. a fan of their music. <laughs> yeah, they suck. I always thought but Five I'll, Finger I'll, Death I'll Punch. Yeah, I always thought Five Finger Death Punch was like the guys who used to kick my ass in high school. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For liking heavy metal. And then yep. all of a sudden decided to play heavy metal. And I'm just like, no, yeah. no, you can't come in here. Why are you here? You know what I mean? It's That's like, exactly you know, what it's it like, is. It's like, it's like, you like metal? Come here, you fucking punk. And then they beat you up. And all of a sudden they're like, we're metal as fucking. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> my music away you already took my lunch money why are you taking my music that, that's what happened to me in college i remember that i was i was cool with the dean of communications at st john's university she knew i was on the the executive board of the radio college radio station and she said hey look uh, my nephew wants to um join the radio station i'm like okay send him my way it's fine in comes in this chad with like the freaking um you know, frosted tips and the red Adidas uh, jumpsuit, you know, and the $200 Nikes. And, you know, I think well, I forgot what shirt. I think I was wearing a cradle of filth shirt at the time. And he's like, oh, you like metal? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I like metal, too. I'm like, really? What bands? Mm-hmm. He's like, Adema, Corn, the Biscuit. I said, get the <laughs> fuck out of my radio station. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not dealing with that. A Lovax body spray too. Uh, you know. I have nothing against Zax. I can afford it, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, just before we uh, wrap up the show, um, so want a couple more things from your book. I have some notes here. Uh, you got big into glam bands. Um, oh, absolutely. And I, I don't like glam bands. I like some of the new glam bands. I like um, mm-hmm. Hardcore Superstar and Crash Diet and stuff, some stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't like the old stuff though. I hate poison. Never liked them ever, ever, ever. But oh, I did like Slaughter. And uh, you went to a concert and you didn't like Slaughter. Why don't you like? How did you not like Slaughter? How do you not like poison? Oh my god! They look like <laughs> women. Like Duncan. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like women. They Thank look like you. goddamn women. Thank you. <laughs> How do you not like like? Oh, <laughs> Thanks, Lou. No, but what was what was it about what was it about slaughter? How, how did you not like slaughter? I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, just to kind of backtrack about what like what you were saying about like about poison. Is that like you know, as a hard rock and a metal fan, like I don't believe in guilty pleasures or even yeah. regrets, and I've never been embarrassed to say that I had like a, a liking or an appreciation of things, you know. And you know, to me, poison was like i don't know now i felt now i look back on it it's almost kind of like they were like great value kiss you know like (laughs) but it was fun you know it was a fun show 
it was fun music. It was brain. Like you didn't have to have a P you know, like I loved Queensryche, yeah. you know, but listening to rage for order, like I felt uneducated, you know, listening to open up and say, ah, I actually felt smarter than the, really? you know what I really? mean? And so <laughs> this is over, <laughs> but it was fun, you know? And I think that what happened to me with slaughter was unfortunately with I feel like this happened to a lot of bands around that time is that not only were they like super hyped but they put out this album that sounded so fantastic mm. and it was so slick and the vocals were just, you know t- like I I mean dude like I still love man I will listen to up all night eye to eye um you know, what Loaded Gun, you know, mm-hmm. like off that first album. Like, I still enjoy listening to those songs. But I saw that band live and they were terrible. Yeah. Like, they did not even come close to sounding like that album. And to me, even as a young music fan, I was just like, that sucks. That's yeah. terrible. That's <laughs> bad. Like, you know, they were on a they were on a triple bill with the Bullet Boys and Poison and Bullet mm-hmm. Boys opened. Right. And I fucking love the Bullet Boys, man. Like as far as like those first two Bullet Boys albums to me are just incredible. But they sounded amazing. They were they were great live. They were incredible. But then Slaughter came on. They had the bigger production, you know, because they were the second band on the bill. Right. But they sounded terrible. And I've mm-hmm. seen them live on accident four times <laughs> you know and on accident meaning like they happened to be on like one of these like mega hair bales or whatever you know right, like right. The poison tour cinderella whatever and there was always like slaughter was in there somewhere right and you know never got never saw them do a good show live and i think that that just always reflects badly for me and then i can't go enjoy an album Right. Yeah. Because when I, I listen to the album, then I go like, "That's not real." Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get you. you. Know? All right. I understand it now. All right. Which is actually why, it, it when I was younger, like I wanted to kind of go to concerts, but my mother always she went to a few when she was younger, and she was like, "You know mm-hmm. what? They're not the same." Like when you hear the albums, when you go live, when you go see them live, it's not this. It doesn't sound the same. They're always changing the songs up, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like like you said with Slaughter, they just don't sound good. <clears throat> And I was always afraid of going to see like one of my favorite bands and then being really disappointed and not wanting to even like them anymore after that, you know, and, and I could see that's how kind of you are with Slaughter, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, the other thing with Poison, too, is that, like I said, and, and I'm a fan, but I can actually say this is that like if you listen to a Poison record, hmm. like it's hard to get much worse than that live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'd have to be really terrible but they never tried to be virtuosos you know what i mean or anything like that so like you know i always thought brett michael sounded great live i thought the band sounded good they were energetic it was fun and it sound i don't care if a band sounds like an album or doesn't but if you're not as good as a unit as you are on a recording then that just kind of shows me that you don't have that raw ability or that raw talent to just be real right yeah when I finally started going to concerts, Lou, you have to unmute yourself before you speak. I have one guilty pleasure. <laughs> I was coerced to buying this one album. What was that? Oh, that album sucks. Throw that away. 
Oh, I meant to tell you, I was just spitting that today, man. <laughs> so <race>. sorry. <laughs> but hey, resurrect.mancamp.com. Thank you. Dude, if I would <laughs> I would have known you back in like 90 and you lived here in Atlanta. You would have definitely been my drummer. You would have been the drummer in the worst metal band in Atlanta. Awesome. <laughs> I would have been in it. <laughs> Actually. Yeah, you would have, you would have been the one good guy in the band. <laughs> Please don't fill his head. <laughs> I only speak the truth. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, let's, oh, uh, you're the only one I have ever heard or admit that they like crocus. I like crocus. <laughs> oh my god! Seriously? Yeah, we, oh we did god. a couple. Okay, we did I'm, a... I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull a man here. Hold on. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I actually like crocus, Wayne. I mean, you do? Eat All the right. rich. Yeah. All right. That that's a good song. They have a few good songs, but as a whole, as a band, no. Uh, well, we did. This um... older stuff sounds like it was written by someone else. Right. Was... Right. Yeah, which we is did, why uh, I like them. They're like a great tribute band. <laughs> Back when uh, Uncle Saxon was on the show, uh, he picked an album. It was one Crocus album. I can't remember which one. Uh, some other band, and uh, it God, was it was I've okay. Seen that guy? In, I've not this is forever. Wow, four of the best hard rock records. All right, now you're getting out of hand. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I, okay, so here's here's the thing, man. Is that Crocus was crocus was to acdc what kingdom come was to led zeppelin basically right you know crocus i'll give you that like, i'll give you that crocus was like like i mean you're talking i mean they came out in like the late 70s you know so you're talking you know you know mark starache was bon scott you mm. know Tentally, but yeah. like you know I challenge anybody to write a song that's as good, if not better, than Screaming in the Night, man. Even if you don't like Crocus, that is a great song. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's also Crocus. on every Masters of Metal compilation ever, which is how I even got into Crocus back in the well, 80s. Well, thank God, or Crocus would be washing dishes. But, you know, um, no, I do like Crocus, but their history goes back. They have albums like in 1973. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. with... Uh, Chris Von Rohr, whatever his name, singing on it. Yeah. 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 Matter of fact, the, the one of the ones I have was, uh, I think it was 70. Which one was this one? That, no, it's, yeah. Uh, one, one I owned one of those. I owned yeah, the one it, with it, the girl. It goes, I, mean, I mean, these guys, but I mean, you know, Crocus was kind of like that, you know, that, that even though they, they they don't usually get included, they were part of that kind of right. earlier wave, you know, if like, you know, you get that like early Judas Priest. They were. They were early yeah. scorpions, you know, early. Um, who's another one? You know, scorpions, priest, um, except, yeah, except, uh, or you know, or even even Saxon, you know, like that first Saxon album is like almost a progressive hard rock album, you know, right. and it's you know, th they were part of this movement, but yeah, anyway. No, so, you're right. It's my, my friend, uh, my, my best friend gets pissed when I go on tangents about about this because he's like, dude, how long can you fucking talk about Crocus and Kingdom Come, man? You're two of the worst <laughs> fucking bands ever. And you can like talk about them for an hour. But uh, anyway. Well, yeah. well, it's interesting because Crocus, because in 1980, then suddenly hard rock metal was international. You had Crocus from Switzerland, except Germany, um, Loudness, Japan. 
actually i didn't know there were other japanese bands for for a long time before, you know than easio but i mean like earth shaker anyway that's another episode yeah. um, anthem would probably be number three i would think right manny what's that anthem i would probably say would be like the number three japanese metal export absolutely absolutely yeah there was Val wow anyway other countries i'm not naming right now but oh vandenberg anyway it's just kind of interesting all of a sudden the genre became international in just a couple of years you know mm-hmm. after after the scene burst out oh wayne i think you had more questions for Don. i did yeah so coming to a head here uh what was the other thing well i was reading your book um i, I would notice some of the bands that you would talk about like this band uh captain beyond i would put that on and i would listen to it as i'm reading your book and uh they're pretty cool band. I, 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 when I went to it, I noticed the album cover. I've seen it before. I never checked it out. But that was a pretty good band. Yeah, Captain Beyond's a real special band to me. If you read the book, you <laughs> it was like one of those things like, you know, where, where you know, you had, you know, you get into that right, you know, that frame of mind. And then you listen to a band and then all of a sudden it's like they've totally penetrated your brain. Mm-hmm. And like, that album, that debut album, uh, Manny, are you familiar with Captain Beyond at all? The- Absolutely. Uh, Rod yeah. Evans of Deep Purple was the singer, and uh, the guy from Iron Butterfly played on it. Oh, yeah, Lee name? Dorman. and. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. yeah Larry you, Manny knows his shit, man. <laughs> and, then, uh, uh, and then Bobby so. Caldwell, who was in the Allman Brothers Band and uh, Johnny Winter End and uh uh he, he, he you know they, that was a, that was like a super group mm. but again kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier was like with the docking thing it was like a super group of musicians that nobody really knew <laughs> who they were yeah. it was just a great band of musicians you know yeah that that album i didn't discover that till i guess the 90s you know um and i picked it up solely because it had a deep purple connection kind of like mm-hmm. Wayne with his Halloween. Well, I'm pretty bad that way with Deep Purple, so I can I, I can relate, you know, with that. Blackmore's one of my top five. Same year. Definitely. No, but that Captain Beyond album, exactly, Wayne. Like what you did. That that was one of those things that I really tried to. I hoped to. I hoped to do with the book. You know, yeah. was just to kind of share all the different experiences that I've had, you know, growing up over the years, listening to metal, listening to new bands, because, you know, as I'm sure all three of you guys can, you know, attest to this, but like, there's nothing more exciting than turning someone onto a band right. that you love that they've never heard. Yeah. And even though you want nothing more than for them to love them, mm-hmm. if you don't, you've at least, made one more person aware of of a band's existence you know right yeah and so like you know the captain beyond thing like 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 what wayne was saying was similar to like how i got into captain beyond somebody told me was like have you ever heard captain beyond and i'm like no and the guy's like oh <laughs> never heard captain beyond you know and all of a sudden i was like ah, uh, i don't know i've never heard captain <laughs> you know like what happened and you know it's about sharing those experiences you know right. uh, continue talking we, i gotta get something uh, oh yeah but um yeah that captain yeah the captain beyond album was super that's cool i, I didn't realize you're such a big uh purple fan man yeah that's awesome oh yeah i've uh 
I've got uh, one on vinyl and two on CD, and uh, you know, I they're all packed away. My vinyl's over there. I just didn't feel like digging for it. I don't collect a lot of vinyl, but I do have the. I got the third album, and I can't remember what it one's called now. You know, it's got the guy like he's going through like a space thing. You know, oh, Dawn Explosion. Yes, thank you. Yep, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, I think that was their final one, right? Actually, that was the that was the first one they did that, that didn't have Rod Evans. Yeah, because he he had left or got fired. I don't know the story was on that. But. So you know, kinda, yeah, he split he split the band. And he's then, still uh, alive, and he I wish he would uh, somebody would interview that guy. I bet he's got interesting stories to tell. Rod, I Evans. I don't think that will ever happen because I don't know if anyone remembers this, but back in 1980, he toured as Deep Purple. Oh yeah, and, and Richie Blackmore sued his ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, he hasn't been heard from since. No. Like well, not only did he like sue, he sued him for like all his back royalties too. So he doesn't. Yeah, they even took away royalties. his royalties. Yeah. 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 I heard yeah. there's like again, yeah, you gotta love the um the urban legends. But the urban legend I actually heard, which I don't know how how i mean i've heard a little bit of truth about it but he became some some sort of like 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 a doctor or something in um in the uk and ended up becoming like like the head of a big uh hospital ward or something and like doesn't do music doesn't do press doesn't do anything and um you know bobby caldwell the drummer from captain beyond who co-wrote all the songs with rod evans put together a whole new captain beyond lineup a few years ago and they went out and toured and it was fucking fantastic by the way it was it was incredible and i got to do a little bit of work with bobby and talk to him and yeah. um basically it was just like you know of course yeah you know, the first thing he wanted to do is you know would rod be interested and you know he got rod's blessing to do it but rod has like zero interest in you know, in anything involving music with, you know, which is a bummer because I talked to him for three hours just about that first Captain Beyond record. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd wish that he never got talking about music again. (laughs) Yeah. It would be nice to, because he's got to be, I mean, Blackmore is 75 at least. So he's got to be the same age, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it would be nice to get the, to get someone like him would have really interesting stories to tell. Anyway, Wayne, go ahead. I know you had more questions. And uh, on the uh, topic of uh, obscure, obscure bands, I found this band at a yard sale. We reviewed this on the show not too long ago. Oh, that's a spinoff of Boston. Yeah. 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 The lost Boston album. And this yeah. this album is fucking awesome. I mean, ha- most of it's awesome. There's some really shitty songs on here, but uh, yeah, this is just <laughs> one of those things that you know I never heard of. Found in the yard sale, the guy we wanted a dollar for it. I was like, all right, fine. Looks kind of cool. Looks like something I'd listen to. I would have given him a dollar for it. Hell yeah! I've I- only heard of it. What is it? It's basically Boston. <laughs> it sounds Boston, like Boston without Tom Schultz taking twenty years to record a single note. So is what it is. <laughs> but. Uh, you go on YouTube, uh, listen to the song "So You Ran." That was like their big single. Uh-huh. I think you'll be hooked. The video is hilariously bad. Oh, terrible, cheesy eighty video. But yeah. Oh man, is it as bad as "Who's Behind the Door"? <laughs> I don't know. 
No, that's. I'd rather watch who's behind the door. It's it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Yeah, (laughs) because at least who's behind the door has got some chicken spandex soup. No, no, wait, yeah, no, that's that's not. You're thinking of wait till the summer's gone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Or no, who's behind the door is worse. Who's behind the door? (laughs) Who's behind the door is full of like apple twoies. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's worse. (laughs) I don't think I ever saw those. Can't be as worse as the uh, Blue Oyster Cult shooting shark video. That's no, that's funny. pretty shitty too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that is oh, god awful. That's, that's pretty fucking bad, actually. That thing makes absolutely no sense. Uh um, take me away, but that was a weird one. Yeah. Uh all right. So since you've been doing your your podcast and your blog and stuff, uh, you mentioned in the book that uh, you went to a show one time and somebody recognized you and you gave them a bad review and they wanted to fight you. <laughs> I mean, like, what was the worst? Have you ever had anything like a really bad, like face to face with somebody because of you reviewing their music? Uh yeah, that that one. So, um, so I, I I've had I've had a few instances. I got I got uh, completely barred and banned from a Guns and Roses show that was coming up because I had given Guns and Roses previous Atlanta show a bad review. It was it was when he was doing the Freak Show tour, you know, before he did the like oh, okay. the, the three. Yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. And I basically said he sounded like a, um, a like like an overblown bagpipe, and uh, <laughs> he, his people did not like that. And so um, I was told I was not going to be allowed at any more Guns N' Roses shows ever, which was fine with me. And yeah. then um, um, I had a run in with Sebastian Bach online that lasted for about two days. Oh, and um, actually, I, I have to thank because it brought a lot of my readership. To the blog you yeah know, that's, that's great. good um never had to face to face with him but this guy was a local guy and they were um they they were um pretty pretty bad band uh, I, I don't want to name their name actually actually yeah well they're called brazen angel um but anyway um um i don't think they know how to work the internet but anyway they um they're actually they were opening week, for somebody okay. and they were like really, really bad. <laughs> so, I, so I wrote a just I just wrote a really bad review and basically just said that I thought they were, you know, the worst band in Atlanta. Yeah. And they were actually at a show, like at a, opening for a band that I was covering. And that's never that that, that never sits well with you. You know, when you've given a band a bad review and yeah. then you show up at another show and that band is playing and you're like, okay, I'm probably going to run into these guys, you know, and the dude kind of cornered me in the lobby and, you know, was like, you know, are you the great Southern brain fart? And I get asked that a lot, you know, right. at shows and it either is going to end. It's, it's, I know it's either going to result in like being bought a beer or being punched in the face. And so like my heart just... <laughs> things and he and he got in my face and he was like you know that was really fucked up you said we were the worst band in atlanta and i really did not know who he was and i was like i was like what band are you in again and he was like brazen angel and i was like oh i was like man if it makes you feel better man there's been a few other bands that have taken that title since then (laughs) and I he he it was very close to I was very close to getting laid out, man. And um, you know, I'm not I'm not a fighting guy, you know. Like I I you know, I probably punch like a balloon, you know. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was like the one of the moments I was super scared, you know. Yeah. But um, is that the worst wife, one that you had? 
Do what? Is that the worst one? You know, I I think I, yeah, I think that was the that was the time that I felt the most threatened physically. Yeah. You know, by um by an artist. You know, generally they either just block me on Facebook or they just call me a fat troll that lives in my mom's <laughs> basement. And I just tell them, I say, no, I live in my wife's basement. You know, but yeah. um. You know, but that was, you know, physical confrontation is, you know, that was probably the closest, you know, and, and I really did think I was going to get my ass kicked that night. Right. That was, you know, <laughs> luckily a friend of mine from another band was there and yeah. he kind of stepped in and he was like, hey, Don, can you come over here? I need to talk to you real quick. <laughs> he like def- got me out of there real quick, you know, but uh, funny. yeah, not, not, and unfortunately it didn't change, you know doesn't change how i am you know it's like i still just you know yeah Honestly, so, you know you're entitled to your opinion and they have to understand that when they're in a position like what they are they are under scrutiny whether it's positive or negative you know they mm-hmm. just if they believe in what they're doing let them go forward with it they shouldn't have to threaten you for it i mean that's ridiculous well that and their name is brazen angel that's ridiculous anyway <laughs> <laughs> once again you manny's know- the voice of reason man you need to move to atlanta man <laughs> like, kinda, <laughs> actually you should all come down here and just run with me but um <laughs> but you know it's it's funny because you know i i think i think main wayne you and i might have talked about this before is that you know i think that the, the cool thing about what, like what we do about running like our own blogs or our own podcasts or whatever is that you don't really have anyone to answer to so you can just be yourself but you know when i write my blog when i write from my blog i write it like i would be talking to you guys right now you know Mm. or like if i was sitting at the bar with some friends or if i was back at the lunch table in high school you know so you know of course i'm going to be obnoxious and snarky and you know say things that are kind of you know off color but like you know in a very snarky way i never go after people's personal hmm. like things you know right, or personal right. things like personal right, traits right. like i would never say that someone was like fat or that someone was ugly or that somebody you know had some sort of a you know you know a disabled type thing you know but right, you know, if you're right, axel right, rose right. and you run out on yeah. stage and you're winded and you're gross like like you know i mean i'm just gonna say dude he sounded like he was like you know a busted bagpipe because that's what he sounded like right you know and unfortunately that you know not everybody can take snarky criticism and you know yeah Yeah, that's the one thing i was worried about too on our show you know because you know we were very opinionated about some albums and we've even had guests on like after we listen to the album we kind of sometimes don't really like it too much you know but (laughs) Especially, uh, you know, the last guest we tried to come on, Ronnie Monroe. Um, uh, I was never going to drop the <laughs> Wayne, name. I can't Wayne, believe you did it. Wayne, you, Wayne and I talked about that guy who was like, <laughs> uh, his claim to fame is he was in Metal Church, which, mm-hmm. you know, is like, you know, whatever. He was actually a member of the New Orleans band Lillian Axe. Right, he was, was in that band. Wow. He was in that band for a photo shoot. 
never actually even stepped on stage with the band. They announced them as their singer. Those guys have been more through more singers than fucking Spinal Tap went through drummers. Like those guys have just, you know, I mean, but yeah, Ronnie Monroe, like didn't even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That guy. I'll, I'll level with you about something. And when it comes to that, like, I think at the time Wayne fell ill and I'm not going to disclose what it was because that's no one's business, Wayne. And I don't doesn't matter. I had COVID, right? All right, fine. Who cares? <laughs> so Wayne had COVID. So it was up to um, me and Greg to take over the interview. I'm like, that's OK. I'll, you know, I'll be fine. So the management messaged Wayne and they're like, well, we don't know this other guy that's interviewing. Is he any good? Does he know how to interview people? I'm like, motherfucker. Wait, I've this is for Ronnie Monroe? Yeah, Ronnie Mon- what <laughs> management does Ronnie Monroe have? I don't know, but I mean, I was really taken aback by that. I'm like, a piss poor for- job because it should have been calling you to thank you guys for actually answering the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so my attitude was, I was like, you know what? That's okay. You need us. We don't need you. So instead, me and James did an episode on the five best mustaches in rock and roll, which was much more entertaining and probably got more views than an interview with him would have. A lot more, a lot more interesting than Ronnie Monroe. Well, I like metal shirts, but I, yeah, I, so I, I. but I, it's like, it's uh, Ronnie Monroe isn't exactly you know Ronnie James Dio. I left Black Sabbath. You know, it's right. not. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I I just saw Udo Durkenschnatter. He did an interview with a young guy. Udo actually has a following. I think he had 52 views. I doubt Udo gives a crap. He did this because it was a fan. And, you know, Udo had, you know, not that I know him, but I'm sure he had better things to do than, yeah. I'm he's just actually, um, he's actually very, come up a lot on like, because I get emails to get interviews and he's, yeah. he's come up a lot lately. Ooh. Well, like, yeah, because he, he wants exposure and he knows these yeah. are diehard fans. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and he's got a following. It's not like, you know, Ronnie Monroe or whatever. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that Udu actually, when he tours, he actually plays big festivals. Right, you know, right. he's not begging for people to go and see him. Like, right. yeah. I don't know. No, but the difference is, though, Udo is also an experienced professional, he knows how to talk to people. Yes, because he's been doing it his entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. I, I don't know. I, I I just find it crazy. Management does he does he this guy any good? Yes, because you're about to be interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine. Whatever. Anyway, uh, go ahead. I, I mean, for me, I was just kind of like taken aback by that. I'm like, you know what, Sasha from Halloween. He has some dropping Halloween name right now. That's like three times he, tonight. Yeah, yeah, he he, <laughs> he he promoted the interview that I did with him on his Instagram and got my interview over 700 views. So I was like, I don't know. Ask Sasha. He yeah. was awesome, by the way. I mean, I, 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 I generally just don't, you, you know, I, I do this because I enjoy it and I do it for the people that, you know, take the time to listen and take the time to read my shit. So like, you know, I don't do this, you know, I have no overhead or I have no boss, you know, so like if you're going to be just like someone like shitty, if you're going to give me a shitty interview, like I'm just gonna, yeah, I, I, I cut off Eric Peterson from Testament after 15 minutes. Really? About, what happened? About 
uh, seven, eight years ago, maybe seven years ago. And, uh, well, cause he, he, he was supposed to do an interview with me and the night before, you know, Testament had played like one of these big, like one of, it was like one of their reunion shows or something at, uh, in, uh, LA and he was hung over the next day. And, you know, the interview was at like two o'clock his time out in LA. So it's like five over here. And, you know, you know, five minutes into the interview, you know, he's, oh, mm, mm, <laughs> you know, and just like grunting. And then like, you know, I'd ask him a question and he'd just be like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> you know, you know, like, and I was just like, I even asked him, I said, are you, I was like, is this a bad time to do this? Cause if it is, we can, we can just go. And he's like, man, he goes, I'm just like hung over and like, uh, he's like, I don't know. And I was like, I was like, well, this is like your press day. Right. And he was like, yeah, I've got so many more to get. I was like, all right. I said, well, I'm, I'll just let you go. And then uh, you can, you know, do your thing. And he was like, oh, well, and I was like, yeah, I said, I said, look, man, just go and chill and get some water or whatever. And you know, you know, good luck with the rest of your press. And I never posted the interview. I didn't transcribe it and do anything, you know, and I was like, I don't have to. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it's yeah, your it's, time. Right. It's on you know, But at the same time, it's also my time, you know, like, you know, I blocked off, you know, 45 minutes of my day to talk to you, yeah. you know, so, you know, yeah, also up, I'm like, going to go cut the fucking grass. Yeah. You know, just don't cut your hedges because you cut your finger. <laughs> Wayne, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear, Wayne. This is why I love Wayne. Because you know, I was like, I was like, you know, the first time I had a friend of mine who had who was going through some stuff, and I had to be there for him. And then, um, and then the second time, I think it was actually the day, the night we were supposed to talk. Yeah. And I texted Wayne and I was like, dude, I was like, you're never going to believe this. I was like, but I, I think I just about cut my finger off today, trimming my hedges. And I sent him a picture of me from the fucking room where I'm about to get stitched up and shit. And he was just like, oh my God, what did you do? And then we scheduled it for today. And Wayne specifically was like, don't leave the house. Like, don't do anything. Like until after, and I was like, yeah, I'm on house arrest. I'm not touching anything sharp, so you know. Yep, and you made it. You know, but, you know, the, the finger's good. Three stitches will come out next week, so you know, you know right, I'll be good. So all, all good. You know. but but at least the, it was my wasn't my good one, you know. So. You know. <laughs> uh, final thing, uh, like you know, we start our podcast, and we've had people or try to get guests on here. You know, they look at your your uh, subscriber numbers and things like that. You know, if you don't have a certain amount of subscribers, they you won't get them on the show or whatever. But you had you tried to get a guest on that didn't want to come on your show because of the name. No, <laughs> Manny's gonna love this one. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, it was Blackmore's Night. <laughs> so the I actually I actually made a made a, a photo meme of it that I posted I'll I'll, I'll send it over to you if you didn't see it but yeah. basically um, I had put in a press request to interview uh, Candace Knight you know because you know I've been a black I, I love Blackmore's Night I think they're kind of fun they're quirky you know it's yeah. like kind of 
you know, you know, Hobbit Ren, Ren Fair music. And, you know, you know, I, I, I dig it. It's fun. It's different. It's unique. And She's um, got a good voice too. Right? Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, yeah. it, you know, and it's, it, and it's, again, it kind of goes back to the whole, like, it's a different kind of music, you know, it's right. something kind of different and it's, you know, breaks up the monotony. And so I put in a press request and their PR person <laughs> came back and was like, um, I'll put in this request, but um, uh, I'll get back to you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> didn't hear anything. And then I replied back and, you know, I was like, hey, just wanted to follow up. And they were like, yeah, well, their management um, doesn't want to do, uh, doesn't want them doing interviews with, with a site called the Great Southern Brain Fart because they want to be taken seriously. And in my <laughs> mind, all I could think of is like, you know, Blackmore is dressed like Gandalf, like, you know, <laughs> like she's dressed like, you know, you know, like this beautiful, like, like wood fairy or whatever. Right. And they're like wearing pointy hats and shit. And I'm going, you want to be taken seriously? And you know, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, you know, but it, and then the PR person actually said, you know, you maybe consider changing your name. <laughs> And when I hear stuff like that, like that just makes you want to persist even more. And, you know, Lou and Manny, you know, we talk about, you know, like, you know, it's not a rebellious nature, but then this is where the kind of metalhead in us comes back from youth is that it makes you want to do it even more. Right. You know, so someone says, you know, my artist won't talk to a site called the great Southern brain fart. You know, that's a terrible name. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use it for even longer. I'm going to post it even more. I'm going to make the logo more obnoxious on the, you know what I mean? Like, and then I'm going to go get someone else to interview who might not have the legacy of say someone like Blackmore, but, you know whatever but has you know the the credibility and of being a great musician who says something like oh i think i think the name's hilarious man like you know i saw that on my press list and i was like hell yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) so you know i mean i got good news for you don Uh, ronnie monroe is available for interviews (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. So, you know, (laughs) but, but yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing, you know, yeah, I I always say stick to your guns, you know, rat salad review. It's fucking great, man. Like that's almost as gnarly as a brain fart. You know, I I, I dig it. Yeah. Great Sabbath reference too. Yeah. I didn't come up with it, unfortunately, but somebody that doesn't do the show anymore came up with it, but I kept it and he's not, no longer with the show. <laughs> I think it's great. It is. I, I, I like it. It, it. it was a really catchy name. So, you know, you, I couldn't think of anything better than that. So, really, what else would I pick? You know, you want to be able to, you know, if, if someone if someone Google's your site or Google's your blog or Google's your podcast, like you want to be the first thing they hit. Right. Well, we got to fix the SEO on, on it first. <laughs> working on that. Yeah. It'd be like, be like metal rules. You know. School yeah. of Hard Rock, 
you know, and things like that, you know, like if you Google the great Southern brain fart, you know, it's going to, you're going to get a first page. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no one exactly. else would claim that shit, you know, but me, so, you know, but, exactly. um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, it, it comes with the territory. You're going to get, you're going to get told no. And yeah. if someone tells, you no, just move, move on. on. There's plenty yeah. more people out there. Doesn't matter break. who says no, it matters who says yes. Right, Glenn Droller? Break, yeah, break rules. You know? <laughs> you know? Like I like I told I told Wayne earlier. I said, you know, if a PR person tells you no, go to go to the artist. You'd be surprised yeah. how many times like an artist will be like, Yeah, I'll do it. What the hell? You know? And so, you know, you know, don't let one person tell you no and shut you down, you know. If the artist tells you no, then it's pretty much done, you know. All right, yeah. But I mean, this, know, yeah. like we this all know this people. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe next time, next year. You know, it's always next year. Yeah, this might no, be the most that Monty, Ronnie Monroe's been talked about in three years. <laughs> Metal Church needs a new singer now, so maybe they can come back. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Lou? Sorry, I muted. I said, make sure you hashtag Ronnie Monroe in this episode. Oh, it's going to be hashtag Monty Monroe the whole thing. Actually, hashtag I'm going to change the name Ronnie of the episode. Monroe. It's going to be Monty Monroe Tribute. That's out of <laughs> episode 131. You know how to interview, prick. <laughs> well, do, do you, you not? Are you any good at it? I, I'm not that good, but you know, yeah. I've done okay I mean, so you, far. You never, you never did a radio show. Who, you me? Yeah, you never did that. You never did your a college podcast. radio. Idiot. Oh, oh you're, you're being sarcastic. Yeah, you're right. I never did any of those things. <laughs> it was being sarcastic, Luke. <laughs> Sorry, late night. I've been up since, th- been up since 3 a.m., guys. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Well, you can go to bed now because we are done with Don De Lamont and his book, The Southern, uh, no, wait, <laughs> Southeast of Heaven, A Metalhead's uh, Journey. Please go check out this book. Uh, it's a very fun read, and you will enjoy it very much. And Don, what else do you do? I mean, give us your your website and all the podcast stuff. So you got the the blog is uh, thegreatsouthernbrainfart.com. dot com, um, the Facebook at uh, the Great Southern Brain Fart. I am on uh, uh, Instagram at uh, Southeast of Heaven. And um, on TikTok, again, after taking a little break, it's uh, Southeast of Heaven 73. I've got a whopping 185 followers on TikTok. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm climbing, you know, I should there. achieve 200 sometime in 2023, which would be great. But again, <laughs> doing it because it's fun, you know, yeah. so you can yeah. find me all over the place. So how do you like TikTok, by the way? I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It, it, it kind of drives my ADHD up the wall sometimes because it's so much scrolling, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, you, know, you, you have to really dedicate yourself to it, you know, to, um, oh, yeah. to keep yeah, the, the day, momentum. I, I recorded a bunch of videos the other day all at once and just to do, you know, one thing, a, you know, a video a day, you know, just to keep it up there. It yeah works. yeah yeah i mean you have to really dedicate yourself to doing it you know and you know and i'm gonna hop back on the wagon with it though because it's fun you know but you know it was just one of those things where I'm, i was just like you know you know i'm kind of in a transitional mode right now as far as like you know working with the podcast and the book and 
doing interviews and stuff. And so, you know, just trying to kind of collect myself a bit, but, uh, but yeah, you can find me everywhere. Unfortunately for you. <laughs> Go find him, please. Very fun uh, post that he does. And Lou, where can we find you? Music is life podcast.com. And as always, you could find me spreading the good word about ratsawreview.com. Uh, just posted my newest episode, a special edition where I went to Poughkeepsie, New York, to the Chance Theater, as Manny said, to see Mr. Ingve Malmstein, the maestro. Amazing performance. And I want to thank, again, Images of Eden, uh, Gordon and Steve, for uh, hooking me and my buddy Matt Megalo up with um, All Access Guest List. We were able to get an interview with the band Images of Eden. I'm rocking their shirt right now. Check them out on tour. They are great. And check out their album, Angel Born. And Wayne, I think it may be time to announce that we have some really exciting news. I'll let you do it. Yes, please do. So Wayne and I, for the longest time, were talking about doing a Def Leppard cover for Ratsai Review Network. Well, we were originally going to do Ring of Fire, which is on the retroactive album. We'll still do that, by the way. Eventually, we'll do that. Um, but instead I suggested, why don't we do on through the night off the high and dry album? So Wayne on drums, myself on guitar, George from timeless Haunt on bass, again, produced and mixed by the great Alex Repetti himself. And I had the perfect lead singer, which was John Witten of the band Shockwire, my buddy from Canada. Well, shortly after we had done the cover, Karen Fairchild Meyer, who is a uh, mutual friend of mine from the Def Lever Die Hard fans um, Facebook page, she's the administrator of the group, posted that FNM Records was releasing a Def Leopard tribute album and that anyone who wanted to be on it just send in the song. So we sent in the song, our version of On Through the Night. We made it. Cool. So oh, Reviews getting represented. So can't stop us. Congratulations. Now. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. That, I hadn't, is, cool. I, that is really good. That's never awesome. That would happen, but that's awesome. It's pretty cool. You'll have to let yeah. me know when it gets closer. And, uh, we'll have to talk about that on, uh, on, on my podcast. Definitely. That'll be out second quarter 2022. Nice. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah, there's a lot of bands on there. I know um, uh, Mick, Mick Watkins. Uh, his band is uh, Wild. Uh, what the hell is his name? Band? Wild Ride. Yes, Wild Ride. Yeah, he's supposedy they got asked to do a song on there, so I, they may be on it as well. Apparently, the song selections were so good, and I think our song was convincing enough for them to say, we have to put the song on, but we're limited. Okay, we'll make it a double disc. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, whatever that's awesome. gets us on there, so that's cool. Wayne couldn't be happy to do it with you, man. I'm really happy yeah, to have no, done it with you. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I enjoy your guitar work. You're doing a great job. But you're fired. Feel the same way about your drums. And I'm fired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so music is live podcast. Buy your shit over at tpublic.com. Link in my um on my website. Thank you. Excellent. Very cool. And then you can go to ratsidereview.com, hit subscribe on YouTube. And if you want to hear the podcast and don't want to look our ugly faces, just go to iTunes, Spotify, uh, Anchor, and hit the subscribe button on there because we're on there as well. And that is it. Again, thank you, Don, very much for coming on. I had a lot of fun. This is a long episode. Um, hey, you know, I love it. I love it. Let's do it again, man. It'll be fun. 
Yeah, definitely. You're more than welcome to come back on. And uh, oh, and by the way, too, uh, this is pretty much the, the final episode of the live episode of this year. I think we might have one more episode, but uh, if it is, everybody have a very good Thanksgiving and have a very Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. But uh, next week, you will see uh, me and Lou, and I think Greg, we did a show with Greg. <laughs> Greg only did the first episode, the first three yeah, albums. The first one. But we're doing like a, a Def Leppard discography, so that will be on the whole month of December. So enjoy that. Have fun. And we will see you next year. Merry awesome. New Year. Thanks for having Bye-bye. me. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Don. Thanks, Manny. All right. Thank You're you welcome. so much. All right. Very cool.